everyone likes stories. You might even write stories. You might be a journeyman or an apprentice of stories. You may even be a master of stories. But you're not a story lord. Whoa. Because that would be us. Hit the guitar pedal. <laughs> Welcome to Story Lords. I almost said bros before pros then, but I don't need to say. Welcome to Story Lords, uh, the fiction-based podcast of two prompts, three stories, infinite laughter. I'm yeah, Rich. Yeah, every, every joke is a hit. Yeah. Yeah, we never yeah. fail. Never no. fail. Lords wouldn't fail. Bros might have failed. Historically, lords have never failed. No. So yeah. You're right. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Never. Um, I'm Rich, and with me as always is Jeff. Hello. And Josh. I get, I'm last this time. Hi. <laughs> you bitching about that for 20 minutes. <laughs> he, he did mention it twice now. <laughs> it was a, the first one was a really long one, really long bitch. Yeah, it just was like and another thing, <laughs> and another uh, thing. Rich thinks he's the host. <laughs> yeah, we're all host. No, we're I'm just host. skirting. I'm just I'm riding along. I'm just hoping not to get fired. <laughs> just keeping my head down, writing my story. <laughs> just keep my head down, write my story. Don't complain about going last too much. <laughs> Your cards Stay in my lane, buddy. <laughs> don't write anything scary or science fiction. You don't want to rock the boat. Um, our prompts this week were debts and breakups. Oh, man. This kind of worked really well for me. Oh, good. Lie. This worked really well for me, too, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say it worked for me as well. Which is that's a, that's it's a first, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not frogs and socks or whatever the fuck. Yeah. But. Socks did give us Hijoki. It did. It did. I'll and always socks. be thankful for that. And socks. And so- <laughs> the sword cat. Indeed. Yeah. The katana. I didn't mm. do anything good with that one. Oh, that was the perfect one. Wait, I, that was my samurai one. Oh, that was yeah, great. That was, that was a great one. Let's just suck each other's dicks yeah. for this first yeah. part. Yeah, this is the, this is the this is the podcast. <laughs> we um, just c- get on here and kiss. That's fine. Uh, Wait, let me get my chapstick on <laughs> and then my lip chap. Mm, strawberry. Nice. <laughs> it's a good show. <laughs> uh, Mr. Pennington, you are yes. up first. Uh, Regalus, okay. fellow lord. With a story oh, of your Lord realm. Pennington. Lord Pennington. <laughs> I'm smoking uh, a pipe right now. The title of my story is Rise of the Fate of the Dawn of the Return of the Revenge <laughs> of the Bride of Frankenstein. A Frankenstein P.I. mystery. Damn. The squeak call. <laughs> oh, shit. I should have. I should have. <laughs> Uh, from the case files of Adam Frankenstein, private investigator, New York, New York, fall 1934, entry 7. Pop-Up was one years old. Good year. <laughs> the air smelled like six-day-old asparagus piss in your ma- <laughs> that your mom had forgotten to wipe up after your Uncle Dave visited last Tuesday and they had their usual wrestling night in the basement while your dad was at golf with the boys. Damn. And it didn't seem like it was ever any fresher in here. <laughs> Why does it smell like... Is he pissing on her? I cr- yeah. 
<laughs> Whatever your mom's into, man. I'm not judging. Don't ask yeah. a question you don't want an answer to. That's true. I crept behind some crusty old shipping crates as low as I could go, given my girth and width, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but the place looked like it hadn't been oper in operation in ten years. Easy. I was careful not to touch anything, even though half my fingerprints belonged to some drunk bum named Ted. <laughs> and the other half were from assorted day laborers who had tried to unionize. Some things Aww. never change, I guess. <laughs> oh, and it's 1934. It's the height of unions and still. Well, I yeah. mean, he was made long, long before this. They anyway. Falling off skyscrapers. <laughs> yeah. I'd been called to investigate this old, seemingly abandoned warehouse at the end of at the edge of town by a mysterious benefactor who'd been mailing me checks for about a week before he'd even rang me up about the job. I'm not the most trusting guy in the world, but I hadn't paid rent in two months and hadn't had a hot dog in four, so I had some big money moves to make with those payments that couldn't wait for better sense to kick in. The guy on the phone. It's 1934. He wants a hot dog real bad. He wants to get just sn invented. Snacker Jack and a bag of peanuts. Snacker Jack? Snacker Jack? You mean Cracker Jack? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not fucking American. True. <laughs> You're goddamn right about that, the Snacker Jack. The guy on the phone who sounded like Jethro Clampett had fucked his cousin and the kid went to Emily Post Etiquette Academy for birth. <laughs> had told me that some documents had made their way to this warehouse, which was supposedly a front for illegal shipping of stolen goods. From a cursory glance around the place, though, the only thing this warehouse had been used for in the past decade was a public toilet. <laughs> Uncle Dave at it again. <laughs> Still, I was always one to do my due diligence. It had only taken me a couple seconds to pick the lock on the decrepit manager's office at the back of the building. It was up a flight of sodden old wooden stairs that I was certain would give way under me like your mom's ass gave way to my behemoth stitched up donger last night. <laughs> when we reenacted Thriller buck-ass naked in your childhood bedroom. <laughs> the dance and everything? How's that for living up to the rest of the show's humor, you fucks? Anyway. You know what? You're not getting fired anytime soon. <laughs> stitched up donger. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. It's got to be held on somehow, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, fellas? By your mom's yep. hand. <laughs> I turned my flashlight to the desk that was turned over on its side against the back wall inside the office. It looked almost like someone had thrown it over to use it for cover in a gunfight, but there wasn't a bullet hole to be found anywhere on it. However, there was a big chunk missing out of the left side of it, splintered from the wood like it had been ripped away somehow. I ran my fingers over it and came back with a strange, powdery black substance. Rubbing my fingers together, it fell off easily, but didn't leave any residue like soot or gunpowder would. Graphite. I shrugged and got to work, figuring whatever the fuck that was wasn't any of my business unless I was getting paid for it. <laughs> the desk drawers were still locked, but I just yanked them out whole, splintering the wood on either side of them with each yank. Papers and file folders were strewn all over the inside, all willy-nilly. No sense of order or arrangement like you'd expect from office records. 
<laughs> there was also a small gun and a bottle of extremely cheap gin in there, but a nine-to-five office worker worked here, so that made perfect sense. <laughs> For 1934, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No further investigation required here, am I right? Fuck. <laughs> Suicide's funny. <laughs> Each one of the folders was labeled with the same small logo on the top flap. The Dusk Corporation. <gasps> Stranger still, none of, not one of them had any other distinguishing feature on them. No account names, expense titles, clients' names, last name. Absolutely zilch to determine what the fuck they even were. I picked one of them at random from the pile inside the drawer and flipped it open. There was a shipping manifest inside that was attributed to a Mr. Adrian DeVille of the Dust Corporation. 2,000 pounds of something. Ten items, each one just a series of numbers, shipping out to different locations. It didn't take a mathematician to do the simple division of numbers. That was pretty much the perfect weight for ten corpses. What? I was confident in making such a wild swing thanks to the <laughs> fact that none of them had any further identification. Not to mention that everything I ever get involved with has some kind of corpse shit going on with it. You can set your watch by that shit. Fair. You are what you eat. Fair. There was a small note in the bottom, handwritten in the chicken scratch of the working man. Far more legible than a doctor's prescription, but still pretty messy. Thankfully, only one of these things needs to be legible or you'll fucking die painfully from taking the wrong medication, am I right? <laughs> the note read, do not touch the purple liquid coming out of them. It will change you. I ruminated on what the fucking shit that could possibly mean <laughs> as I flipped over another folder. It looked like the shipping addresses associated with the ten shipments. A quick glance confirmed the numbers lined up. Looked like there was <clears throat> there was one headed to a place called Whitesville in Connecticut. Another one going to some backwater nowhere in West Virginia called Huntington. <laughs> Several were being sent to a desert location in Nevada called Cerrone. The bulk of the items were being shipped in from other locations, though. All headed to a corporate location somewhere in the middle of the city. The Dust Corporation headquarters. I was just about to flip another folder when I heard the light groaning sound of the door across the room behind me swinging on its ancient rusted hinges. I flung around, wrenching the 357 out of my shoulder holster tucked beneath my overcoat as fast as I could. Packing. But I met the cold steel end of another gun's barrel pointed at me before I'd cleared leather. I slowly lurched the gun back into its holster as I accepted I wasn't going to get out of here before I got shot. You're very, very late. The voice behind the gun slithered through the air like a burning smoke from the end of a cigarillo, snaking and twisting like a predator coiled in the weeds. The room was dark, but even in the haze of inky blackness I could see her, clear as day. My breath was knocked out of me just by the sight of her, leaving me gasping for it back. She was tall, taller than any woman I'd ever seen before, easily over six feet, but that didn't even register to me before the, the ice-cold blue of her eyes pierced into my very soul. The frigidness within them was painful, filled with a resentment that was all too familiar to me. She wore a wide-brimmed hat pulled down low, with pitch black hair tucked back into a low bun that was scorched across with one long jagged white line that shot through just yeah. like just <laughs> like my own hair but the similarities didn't end there oh no not by a long shot 
her snow white skin where it could be seen at the ankles, the wrists, the neck just pops from beneath the long, tied clothes trench coat and black skirt she wore tightly tied to a form. There was a crisscross of ragged black stitches. This woman, it struck to the very soul of me to look upon her. The moonlight which streamed in through the crooked, age-destroyed blinds over the window showcased it too plainly for me to ever deny, though I denied it to the core of me still. There, in this rotten, decayed nowhere, stood an impossible being, the only other one on the face of this cruel, hateful world that had spurned me since my unfortunate birth. Another thing like me. <laughs> You seem shocked to see me, Adam. Do you not remember? The woman's smoky, rueful tones filled the room with an acid that burned away at me. But she kept her trigger finger steady on the Thompson submachine gun and her gloved <laughs> hands just the same as if it wasn't melting me away inside. Damn. You're... I stumbled on my words. A rare thing for me. Your bride, she snapped finishing my sentence for me with venom. She took a step forward, her black lips sneering a bitter smile at me. The bride you left to burn in Victor Frankenstein's makeshift laboratory. You can call me Eve. It only seems fitting. <laughs> no, no, I saw him rip your body apart before he ever conducted the procedure to breathe life into it. I snapped back, suddenly filled with a rage I hadn't felt since my revenge against Victor a lifetime ago. My fingers clenched so hard into fists that the slow-running dark blood beneath my skin began to drip out where my fingernails dug in. Damn, you're a liar, a fake, an apparition sent to torture me. Silence, she screamed at me, gripping the trigger and firing off a couple shots into the still of the night. The bullets burned hot as they pierced into my shoulder, throwing me back a step, but I was pretty undeterred. I stood straight back up and snarled in return, but she was undeterred as well and continued on like I hadn't. This is hot. Mm. You were born in chemical baths and rushing water, Adam. I was born in a crucible of fire. I read everything in that book that woman wrote using the doctor's notes. You sought bloody revenge after Victor tore my body apart, fled into the night, left what was left of me at his mercy. She was trembling a little now, the raw emotion of it all coursing through her veins, and all the anger was drained from me as I simply began to listen. But the book got one thing wrong. Victor didn't toss my parts away into a river. He set the entire building aflame to rid himself of the abomination he sought to create for you. But the flames, they sutured the wounds he had torn, fused the stitches back into place that he had stitched. The moment I awakened to the world, birthed by alchemical fire, I felt the searing, violent, burning pain of being alive, Adam. Same. even... <laughs> <laughs> And even when it was over, the pain never truly subsided. I read, his, uh, I read his notes about my betrothed, another horror like myself that sought comfort in this hateful world. But you weren't there. And I searched far and wide, but you were never there. 
I, I didn't know. I couldn't have. She cut me off, shaking the Tommy gun at me again, that same hateful, rueful sneer returning to her pallid features. No, you couldn't have. You never came back. You were off murdering women and bedeviling the depraved soul that birthed us. You sunk beneath the Arctic waves, and I didn't know what had become of you until a hundred years later. You had the Captain kindness America. of... Huh? <laughs> like Captain America. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Same guy. <laughs> you had the kindness of death for a short while, Adam, but I had nothing but vicious, worthless life this entire time. <laughs> I had lived every savage, cold, painful year on my own since then. Until I found a book... Tossed away in a storm drain. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <gasps> you see, I remembered the name. It stuck with me somehow, even hundreds of years later. And then I knew it all. And knew that I was truly abandoned. And I swore revenge, just as you, just as you had, against what had spurned me the most. Uh-oh. I, st I stood in stunned silence. And she allowed it for a moment. I summoned the courage to finally speak and slowly began. So, uh, there's probably no chance we could hook back up now or... Uh, <laughs> bullets rained out like hail pattering on a window pane, ringing through the darkness in arcs meant for my heart. But I moved with surprising speed for my size, leaping over the overturned desk behind me and ducking behind its heavy wooden cover. The desk splintered with every shot, her screaming rage audible between them. I finally dug out my heavy revolver and raised it over my head, squeezing out two shots to give the impression I was firing back at her, forcing her behind cover. Thankfully it worked and she stepped outside the door, turning the corner to hide her body away from my line of sight. I vaulted the desk and ran for the window, leaping into it with all of my weight and shattering it into a thousand pieces. <laughs> The fall would have killed any normal man, but I think we've established I'm a piece of shit with no redeeming qualities <laughs> at this point, so I'm far from normal, or uh, maybe not, depending on what kind of guy you know. <laughs> Either way, the landing didn't feel great. The sickening pop of my arm dislocating and a bone near my hip splintering filled my ears, along with rushing blood as I slammed full tilt into the concrete street outside the warehouse. A car swerved at the last second, its headlights flashing over me in the night before it veered away and narrowly missed running me over, which would have mostly just been insult to injury at that point, I think. <laughs> a man leaned out the window as it sped away and screamed back at me, Watch where you're falling out of windows at, you fucking Frankenstein's monster-ass bitch! Fuck your mother for me, you shit and cum-stained fuck! Fuck off! <laughs> I was Classic left, 1934 <laughs> insults. I was left reeling against the cold concrete in a lot of pain, and honestly a lot of confusion about how his voice managed to carry that far for that long as he drove away. It's a Model T. It's going about 10 miles an hour. Model T! It's a hundred-year-old car, all right. A bullet embedded itself into the asphalt near my head, and I knew it was, it was time to fuck off like that nice driver had recommended. I put my hand to my dislocated shoulder and yanked as hard as I could to get it to relocate back to its fucking home. But I failed the first time, which hurts a hell of a lot more than when you succeed at it. So if you think it looks fucked in the movies when people do this, think if they failed. 
<laughs> the second time it popped back into place just in time for another bullet to hit the ground in front of me, sending a spray of stone into the air. I was up and running pretty quick after that. My blood was pumping in my ears loud enough I couldn't even hear the sounds of the city around me as I sprinted across town. I didn't even have a destination in mind at the time, since I knew that Eve knew where my office was. This entire thing had been a setup to get me there, but I didn't know why. I mean, I understood Eve wanted revenge for me leaving her as like a bunch of body parts for a mad scientist to burn up in a house fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. And trust me, I understood where I'd gone wrong in the relationship there <laughs> without a call to the love line. <laughs> Why does he know what that is? I got why we had to break up and the fact that there wouldn't be an MTV's makeups to follow. <laughs> what the fuck? But why there? What did the Dust Corporation have to do with her revenge against me? Finally, after what seemed like hours of running, I stopped to catch my breath in an alleyway somewhere in the red light district. I pressed my back against the cold stone wall, and it felt pretty great against the bullet wounds I'd mostly forgotten I had up to this point. I thought for a long time, the chill of the night permeating my bones before I'd calmed down enough to finally remember. Mr. DeVille, the Dust Corporation. These were names I'd heard before. The boat that that fish fucker guy had been on last month was owned by the Dust Corporation. One of the scurvy-ass pirates on board had said they were headed to a private zoo owned by a Mr. DeVille. Mm -hmm. Hell, the name Dust Corporation had come up a few times in my investigations before I started writing them all down to keep files, even. I was suddenly struck with the epiphany that all of my answers could be found in one place, and it was only 28 blocks away in Midtown. The dizzyingly tall black spire in the middle of the city that the Dust Corporation, that was the Dust Corporation's headquarters, had always struck me as a bit of an eyesore, to be honest. Ever since the Empire State Building had been completed a couple years ago, every dumb rich bastard on the block had been dumping daddy's money into building their own skyscraper to show how small their entire family lineage's dicks are. (laughs) This didn't seem to be any different. It didn't reach to half the Empire State Building's height, but it had a kind of Soviet brutalist architectural design that screamed repressed sexuality and hidden agendas. Damn, he's writing a fucking paper over here. (laughs) And now, I had yanked the double doors at the front of the buildings off their hinges, found the building inside completely empty, and was climbing around a hundred fucking sets of stairs to make it up to the CEO's office at the top floor. (laughs) Thankfully, there'd been a little slat board at the front of the building, which had informed me where to find Mr. DeVille's office, along with everyone else who worked there of note. A little perk you don't normally see posted up at the entrance of most RPG final boss dungeons. (laughs) Which is exactly what it had felt like climbing up all those stairs, headed up to the final boss. I don't know how he knows any of this stuff. (laughs) It's a mystery. (laughs) In more ways than one. I pressed against the door at the top of the stairs and swung it open without any fight, a complete lack of any locking mechanism catching me completely off guard. Greeting me there was the most ostentatiously adorned waiting room I'd ever seen in my entire life. And if you look like me, you get left to wait in a lot of waiting rooms for a lot of time. Everything seemed modern and tasteful, but expensive beyond all reason. 
and dotted throughout, I couldn't help but notice a bunch of antiques from my original era and long before. Beautiful couches and ottomans, massive portraits by renowned artists of the past, beautiful gas lamps, still lit, but not a single person anywhere in sight. I drew my pistol and carefully trudged across the room, peering around in every direction I could to make sure no ex-fiancés or fishmen or fucking <laughs> zombies or whatever else were about to pop out and yell boo at me again. <laughs> and to my surprise, no one did. I made it all the way across the massive room to a set of ornately decorated double doors, carved black obsidian with gold plating in places. It was absolutely beautiful. But upon closer inspection, the figures depicted along it all seemed to be in torturous agony. Along the bottom were figures of people raising their hands to the heavens, tears on their obsidian faces. And above them flew bat-winged monster figures, with demonic smiles upon their faces, each one, each one wearing a crown on their head, and all of them encircling what looked like a pockmarked moon in the sky. Quick, go in! <laughs> I, st I stood transfixed staring at it for a few minutes maybe though it seemed like a lot less still when I finally snapped back to my senses I realized how dumb it had been to just sit there gawking like a fuck that long judging the decor what am I the fucking queer eye for the straight guy breaking an entering edition that is so weird okay that's so weird do you mention that show in yours? Yes. Oh my yes. god. That's so weird. I tucked my gun back into its holster, grabbed the handles of this huge obsidian doors, and swung them open. And it took a lot of my strength to do so. If anything had shocked me that night the most, it would have been hard to beat what I saw on the other side. The lights were all on inside the office. A small record player in the corner was softly playing a concerto by Vivaldi. And seated at the far end of the room, behind a gigantic oaken desk, desk, holding a thin-necked wine glass half full, was what I could only assume was Mr. Adrian DeVille himself. But what really caught me off guard, standing there with my metaphorical pants around my ankles and my metaphorical ass cheeks spread open... <laughs> <laughs> was the fact that the man behind the desk smiled at me as he set his wine glass down. Not the smile of a nervous man or even a friendly man, but the kind of smile a predator gives peering at its weakened prey. The predator. Good evening, Mr. Frankenstein. Won't you come in? Would you like to have a seat? The man waved a hand through the air to beckon me to one of the heavy leather chairs placed haphazardly in front of his desk. When I didn't move, he chuckled deeply to himself. No, I suppose you wouldn't, would you? What the fuck is going on here? I said with all the wit and control of the situation of a toddler on their first trip to the doctor for shots. Admittedly, you weren't supposed to make it out of that warehouse, I'm afraid. But you proved a little more reckless than I'd been informed of you. He steepled his fingers in front of his face for a moment, and then started, as if suddenly realizing something. Oh, where are my manners? I didn't even introduce myself. I have you at such a disadvantage. He grinned with a wry superiority that instantly snapped me back to my normal bitter misanthropy. 
Misanthropy. That's how that's said. But he would say it, misanthropy. Yeah. Misanthropy. misanthropy. You're Adrian DeVille, CEO of the Dust Corporation and apparent owner of a zoo with sentient beings in it. <laughs> I said matter-of-factly, hoping that I could deflate even an ounce of the smugness out of this motherfucker. <laughs> Absolutely true. A little side project of mine you needn't worry yourself over. DeVille stood up from his seat, and I finally had the presence of mind to take him in completely. He looked about middle age, with small hints of gray trailing along his temples and his jet black hair. A small goatee to match in the same salt and pepper around his perpetually smug grin. He's evil. Though he never seemed to show his teeth. He wore a perfectly tailored black suit with a crimson red undershirt and a black tie. Pretty bold fashion statement in those days. <laughs> the one thing that stood out the most about him, though, were his eyes. They were constantly trained not on me specifically, but through me. Like he was seeing something in me that he knew completely. And it made me intensely uncomfortable in a way I don't really remember ever feeling before. And there were, they were a strange brown. Bright and glistening. Almost golden yellow, honestly. They reminded me very much of a cat's eyes for some reason. And I got the predatory sense from them immediately. Still... He continued, turning his chair back into place, facing forward with his hand and tucking his other arm behind his back in that way rich douchebags tend to do to seem more prim and proper. <laughs> you have been quite impressive in your efforts to undermine my operations. Your name continually pops up as having done some small this or that with my business that puts me behind schedule. I can't have that. We're running an incredibly tight schedule here, in fact. One that was put in place a decade ago and won't come to fruition for another 90 years. Oh no, that's like our time. Uh, what? I genuinely asked, suddenly not knowing <laughs> what the fuck this rich cock was saying anymore. <laughs> I'm not like purposefully after your shit or anything. I'm just trying to make a living. <laughs> a living. DeVille laughed, shaking his head. How droll. <laughs> I'm afraid that living is beyond the both of us in the classical sense, isn't it, Mr. Frankenstein? Shit. What? <laughs> I was starting to get a little frustrated at this point. Look, you were trying to off me because I was causing problems for your uh, organization. That's not really my M.O., I work in conjunction with a lot of, uh, let's also call them organizations, <laughs> without stepping on anybody's toes. That's the price of being a walking bunch of corpses with no people skills and still trying to run a business. <laughs> Just let me know what to avoid, and I'll avoid it. I mean, hell, I could use the business to make sure no one else gets into it either, honestly. Maybe we could work something out. I just want to know about Eve first. Yeah, yeah, I gave him the pitch. I'm a businessman at heart, folks. You can't hate the player for playing the game. <laughs> That's right. I'm afraid not. I do not suffer those who've crossed me. It's a policy that has kept me alive and thriving for a very, very long time. <laughs> his lips parted back into a vicious, vitriol-soaked grin that wrinkled his cheeks back away from his mouth in such an unnatural way that it would have weirded me out all on its own. 
but glinting in his mouth in the incandescent lights of this high-rise office with two long, jagged, ivory fangs that pressed down into his lower lips even as he chuckled. He's a vampire! Oh, come the fuck on! Vampires are real, too? (laughs) Next thing you're gonna tell me, the goddamn mole people are real. Are there tiny people living in the fucking moon, too? (laughs) I burst out, completely incapable of hiding my incredulity. This shit keeps popping up on me, man. I just get used to one weird monster mash horse shit thing being real, and then boom. <laughs> now it's vampires. Now it's ghouls. Now it's boogans. It's something new every two goddamn weeks, it seems like. <laughs> DeVille threw his head back in a full laugh this time, almost manic-sounding, and placed his hand on his forehead as he did. When he finished, he, sh- he shook his head, dropping his hand back to his side limply. You are a very funny thing, Mr. Frankenstein. <laughs> you don't even understand that you've wandered into the spider's nest at feeding time. He walked to the window and looked up into the night sky. The gigantic windows filled the entire wall behind the desk and framed the pale full moon in the sky perfectly above him. He held his hand up towards the moon, and in a move dramatic enough for a Cary Grant picture, <laughs> swirled his fingers in the air. It is time. And with those words spoken, from the very edges of the moon and the sky, crept inward a blindingly blood-red tone that snaked Uh-oh. like tendrils across the surface. Slowly swirling inward and enveloping the pale silver of the disc to turn it into a virulent and all-encompassing red. For my part, I fucking took a step back and dropped my jaw, completely fucking floored at this magic trick. Houdini would have shit, honestly. (laughs) You see, Mr. Frankenstein, I am not a vampire. I am the vampire. DeVille turned and looked at me, the irises of his own eyes now the same glowing blood red of the moon in the sky, burning with a jovial murderousness that bordered on the psychopathic. He smiled a wide, predated smile as he spoke. I am Dracula. What? And through pure happenstance, you are to be witness to my ascension to godhood. <gasps> Not if I fucking plug you up with lead first, you prissy-ass storybook-looking freak! <laughs> I, scre- <laughs> I screamed as I yanked my 357 back out of its shoulder holster and got it about halfway pointed at him before I felt the familiar feeling of cold steel press it against the back of my skull. Followed by the even more familiar feeling of a gun cocking. (laughs) I stopped and slid the gun out slowly. Twice in one night I couldn't get it out to use it. Happens to every guy, I guess. (laughs) Same. I think instead you'll give me that gun, sweetheart. I'll not have you causing another scene tonight. I recognized the smoke in the voice instantly. If I lived another two lifetimes, I'd never forget the sound of her voice. Eve. She pressed the end of her revolver into the back of my head harder and held her hand up around my side, palm up, waiting. Hello again, dear. I would have thought our first date would have put you off meeting up again so soon. I grumbled as I turned the gun over and slapped it down into her hand. 
She pulled the gun back, and I raised my hands into the air and huffed out my frustration. You have a debt to pay me in blood, Adam. Ding. I won't ever be put off from that. She walked slowly around me, never lowering her revolver she kept pointed at my midsection. Walking backwards across the room, she placed my gun down on the desk in front of... Fucking Dracula, I guess. It, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to write Deville anymore, but I'm going to. I can't bring myself to fucking write Dracula over and over. <laughs> this is so meta. Deville stared at the blood moon in the sky above him with a kind of deep satisfaction that seemed to permeate him. He stood transfixed for a moment before turning back to me and smiling. You know, I've waited for this moment for a very, very long time. I've worked so very hard. Reached my fingers out into the future of our world and set things in motion that will continue for almost another century. I have and will continue to place pawns on my chessboard and move them around without anyone suspecting anything for all this time. And tonight, the fruits of my labor will first, will first be felt. What the fuck is this guy talking about, Eve? <laughs> How can you be working for this pompous fucking nut? He thinks he's Count Dracula. <laughs> I groaned out, keeping my hands in the air above me. He is Dracula, numbnuts, Eve scoffed and pointed her gun a little harder in my direction. I'm working for him because he promised me the chance for revenge against you. That's literally all I care about. Have you even been paying attention? Uh, mostly, I said, half paying attention. <laughs> Glancing up at the blood moon in the sky. How'd you pull that trick off anyway, David Copperfield? Smoking mirrors? I asked, completely timeline appropriately. Because there was a book by that name, remember? It doesn't have anything to do with magic, you say? What, you fucking read it yourself to know that? I didn't think so. Moving on. <laughs> He's got me there. <laughs> oh, it's not a trick. It's just the beginning. Ninety years from now, there will be another blood moon. The second in a single year. I will make certain of it. And the gate will finally be open. The thing inside will have withered, trapped between our world and the next, thanks to the zealot's failed attempt at birthing it to our plane. And nothing will be blocking it any longer. The perpetual night, the endless darkness will descend upon our world. And my kind, who have clung to the shadows and starved, will finally feast upon every living being in the world for all time. <clears throat> Deville seemed transfixed on the sky as he spoke, but turned his gaze back to me and smiled his vicious animal smile once more. Apologies, Mr. Frankenstein. It will all be explained in short time. I am responsible for the blood moon you see above, though it will be happening simultaneously at this hour 90 years from now, thanks to me as well. Mm. Time is... well, it's probably too complicated for you. Just know it is taking some effort to keep the moon as it is, and I may become preoccupied from time to time. <laughs> Look, this is all fascinating, really. But can I murder this fucking lowlife scum freak of nature ex-fiancé of mine now, or fucking what? Eve snapped. <laughs> 
shaking the gun in her hand at me with every word to accentuate her point. Harsh, I retorted under my breath. <laughs> oh, not as not half as harsh as it's going to be before the end for you, my dear, Eve said through gritted teeth between grinning black lips. No. No. I like the idea of having an audience. I always have. DeVille <laughs> sneered a rueful smile, remembering something from a book I never read because it seemed a little too obvious for me to be reading it considering it's like the other Monster Man book everyone talks about. <laughs> That's what I get for being a hipster, I guess. But you reading this probably get what he's referencing or whatever. <laughs> he continued, We will watch the coming future together. Then you may do whatever you see fit with him. I will no longer care. So there I was, between a metaphorical rock and a hard place. The rock being some kind of end of the world blood moon scenario I had no fucking clue about one way or another that goddamn Dracula was putting on for some reason. <laughs> and the hard place being my ex I had no idea ever even existed who wanted to chop my balls off and feed them to me just for starters. <laughs> You know, I've heard cliffhangers do pretty well, and I'm trying to sell the rights to these journals sooner or later to get, like, a motion picture deal going. So let's go ahead and say this is where we're going to cliffhanger it. Uh, fucking deal with it if you got a problem with that. We're all trying to make a living out here, even if we're a bunch of dead guys in a trench coat. <laughs> What's the moral of the story this time? Uh, before you take a job, maybe check out the person or the company hiring you or whatever. You're really liable to get in some real fucking hot water if you don't. <laughs> Not saying like Dracula and the Bride of Frankenstein will tag team your corpse kind of trouble, but hey, you never know. That's just right. good life advice, too. To be continued. <laughs> oh my god, Frankenstein, what are you doing? What's he getting up to next? <laughs> See Dude. what wacky antics Adam Frankenstein gets into on the next, or the one after that story, Lord. Let's see. <laughs> Whenever the prompts come up. Whenever I fucking feel like it. So, uh, that was great. So Thank pulpy. You. So good. Yeah, I know. I, like, love I, the... I had to choose this time around between uh, getting the story across in a pulpy way or just inserting jokes so that it wasn't as funny as usual. Oh, no, it was like, just as funny. It was great. What you do yeah, is you I just love... you just front load it. You front load it with the jokes and you end with the drama. True. Yeah, that's how you do it. True. <laughs> that is how I do it. That is how you do it. That's how I'll do my life. Front load it with jokes and then end with the drama. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to say something that whole time I was interrupting you, Josh? Oh, no, I was going to say, I like when you said that uh, before you cleared leather. I was like, oh, my God, that's, like, so fucking, like, 1930s. It's great, oh, Thank man. you, thank you, thank you. That was that was one of my favorite flourishes. Yeah, no, it was really good. You need to make uh, this your next comic project. I've thought about it. I've thought about it because, I mean, there's endless cases with this guy, right? Yeah. That I could do, so I thought about doing a comic I want a comic of him watching 90s MTV and being like, what the fuck is this shit? You know that there are, like, fan theories in the Discord about why he knows all this shit? Yeah, because he's writing it later, yeah. right? Or is, well, or is he? Or is he? Yeah, well, he does reference things to Dracula that don't have yeah. David Copperfield and shit. Yeah. Um, so how does that work? 
Maybe his brain's from a different time. There, maybe that's maybe one it's of something the to do with the blood moon. Maybe. Maybe it's that. Time works different, right? Yeah. yeah. Somebody had the theory that he time-traveled back to the past. <laughs> time-traveling Frankenstein? So, I'm in. I'm in on that one. Oh. Uh, somebody had the theory that I just put these references in these stories because it's all the comedy I know how to do. Uh, no. I'm in for How that dare they suggest such a thing? So that, uh, that may be Blast. true. Well, no, we, we don't, don't, we don't have hacks. <laughs> you're a hack. You peons. <laughs> you're, you're the hack. I'm not the hack. How dare you speak to a story lord <laughs> in such a manner? Peasant. Story peasant. Story sir. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I I love writing Adam Frankenstein. He's I have yeah. the most fun writing him, and I think probably second most fun I have is either uh, Pavlov Flinch or the Candle Cousins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Candle Cousins for life. Just get that <laughs> tattooed across your stomach. Yeah, and kill a Groufon. <laughs> Candle Cousins for life. L Y F E. For L L Y F E. Half of it in Gothic text and half of it in sweet text. Like like bubble gummy like yeah. cartoony That'd be Adventure perfect. Time font. Uh, <laughs> thank you job, guys buddy. for enjoying my story. No, it was great. Thank. Well, I mean, we, we'll take the credit obviously because we're fucking narcissists. But you did all the oh, work. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have done it without us, Jack. <laughs> I, I wrote it last night. <laughs> That's because of Zelda. Thanks, Zelda. Yeah. And the whole time I was writing it, I was like, I could probably take like 10 or 20 minutes to go play some Zelda. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I took a break and I watched some Mystery Science Theater and I was like, okay, I gotta get up now. <laughs> it, it's uh, funny how our brains work because I've stopped myself playing video games all week because I've been trying to sew up the last couple of episodes and give them titles this and fucking, stuff. Sucking teacher's You pet. know you're not getting a grade for this, right? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I've just invested too much in it now. It has to it has to oh. land. <laughs> I'm an adult and I do responsible things. Yeah, That's what it, all I'm hearing. It has to land. It has to land. It better land. I, I have it's an a, extreme... a funnier character than we're used to. <laughs> <laughs> I have an extremely loose idea of where the next four episodes are gonna go. That makes one of us. And that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I've got titles for my episodes. That's nuts. Good lord. Am Everyone... I fired? <laughs> no, if anything, Rich is fired. Oh. Rich is fired from Rich Masters Incorporated produced. <laughs> <laughs> Making us look bad. Story lords. Yeah. Oh. Executive producer, Rich Masters. All right. Before Executive this... producers Dick Wolf and Rich Masters. <laughs> Dick Wolf. Uh, before this firing can come to fruition, we're going to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> See you in a Good second. Point. Or will you? <laughs> See two of us. Mm-hmm.
back to the court of the lords. <laughs> come, come. Do you have one of those Klingon ball hammers that they use? <laughs> Boom. So cool. Um, yeah, we're talking debts and breakups. And also yeah. prolapsed anuses for some reason. Yeah, that's we. they don't know that. They, they don't, don't know about that. the prolapsed anus conversation we had yeah. for 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just to be clear, just to be clear, it's not our prolapsed anus. Sure. <laughs> our collective anus. Our single anus is not prolapsed, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Still very much intact. I'm next. Um, <laughs> my episode this week is called... Shallow Graves. Oh, oh shit! shit. The guy. It's a double meaning. Take from that Fuck. what you will. Is what can, what's going to happen in this episode? Oh God. Well, this place is a complete bag of rancid horse dick, Emeth. <laughs> <laughs> Grissom sneered at the smell, the brimstone stench getting in his nostrils. It permeated everything. The whole barren planet stinking worse than a car full of Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candles. <laughs> you know, those ones that white women with way too much money think they need. Here's what you need, f- really fucking need. Perspective, Karen, Shauna, or whatever your basic fucking bitch name is. Damn, he's so... This is the truest thing we've ever said. Take that, women. Yeah. If you've got enough disposable income to buy a goop candle with someone's happy juices in it, then maybe put your spare money in a food bank or something, you deluded twat. Damn. I mean, he's not wrong, you deluded twat. Yeah, I don't think I want to... I don't know. I have a real specific candle I like, and vagina scent isn't really one of them. Anyways, it stank, and Grissom was having none of it. Seems like a fitting place for a technomancer to live, or to to unlive. What what's the terminology here? <laughs> you having second thoughts, brother? Emif hacked his way through the thick undergrowth of the swamp with a machete, using his other hand to waft away the flies that swarmed around him. This is what we want, right? To kill it? I'm not nervous, Emif. I'm just trying to work out the smart play here. Blotch, Tabor, and the others couldn't take this thing back down on Ithia, and we're less people against more evil scumbag. Math checks out. It'll be a cakewalk, Gris. Emmeth stopped and turned to Grissom, giving him a wink. You remember that time Jackson took us to Rivali? Told us we were being made men and sent to that pleasure house, but it turned mm-hmm. out the manager was a ten tentacle Draylock shapeshifter who was feeding on the clientele through the wieners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never seen my dick shrink faster, and I once tangled with a were polar bear in the natural shrinkage, not a small dick, honest mountains. <laughs> nice. Natural shrinkage. That's where I'm small from. dick, honest. <laughs> Guys shouldn't be allowed to name mountains. Grissom smiled. <laughs> smiled at the thought of his old mentor. I remember you running out holding your unmentionables, looking more scared than that girl you asked to the St. Merglin's Eve dance. St. Merglin? Emma laughed. I had more chance of getting lucky with the Draylock. He hacked at the brush and found a clearing of dead growth leading to a stone door. Looks like we've found our dead thing to kill. Or kill again. Grissom's smile vanished. Yeah, I reckon you're right, he said. 
Mookie ran their th- fingers over a sleek tablet that over the sleek tablet they had fought to have forged. It was a beautiful slab of obsidian covered in a steel frame, a prophecy tablet unlike any they had ever seen. It was nothing like the quartz and stone tablets they had polished in the Mothman Prophecy's conclave, but why would it be? This was a totally different reality, with different rules. Mm-hmm. The only universal constant seemed to be that the police were a fascist arm of government control. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> a cab in all worlds, in all stories, ding. in all realities. <laughs> that's, a, that's a ding for the A cab reference. A cab, uh? All cops are bastard always? Yeah, True. perfect. A cabba. The temptation to use it right now was almost too much. To channel unfocused, raw prophecy for the first time and have the skills to interpret it? Mookie had been the Omniseer for a long time now, but bar a few readings and interpretations, they had never really fulfilled their purpose. But this was it. The key to understanding the path of the universe, and if necessary, to changing it. They wished that they had had the tablet to preempt some of the mistakes they had once made, being too hasty to grow up, not saying goodbye to Death's Head or Father Flicker, buying a ticket to see Batman vs Superman at the player's house. (laughs) (laughs) Not telling Doots they loved her earlier. How many times can you use it? Doots had been playing while Mookie had been thinking. In fact, she just noticed that all of them were in the room. Blotch and Ludwig Ludwig were prepping their weapons on the table of the transport. Blotch had hammered nails and pieces of broken glass into the cudgel and was currently, currently painting a frog flipping the double bird on its length. Yes! Ludwig was pulling small arms out of the seemingly endless pockets of his tactical but played waistcoat. Knives, grenades, a set of nail clippers, some small plastic swords from Pop-Up Pirate. Do you, do you have that game? No! Pop-Up Pirate's where you stick the swords in the barrel and a oh, random hole yeah. makes the pirate uh, pop up out of the top. Oh, we have Don't Break the Ice. Oh, right, tiddly, yeah. Tiddlywinks, maybe. I don't know. Um, and a few Airfix models he had tried to affix knives to. <laughs> he did love building <laughs> weapons and models, after all. <laughs> it, it's dependent on the focus. The bigger the prophecy, the weaker the tablet becomes. Given that we're about to try and find out how to save the universe, I imagine it will take everything this one has. So we got ourselves a glass cannon. Blotch looked up from her cudgel modding. <laughs> if we use it too quickly and the Technomancer changes plans, it'll be as useless as balls on a dildo. <laughs> that's, that's to stop it from stick, from getting lost in there. It's the flared end, Rich. I mean, just make the end of the dildo bigger. You don't need balls on it. But sometimes... The, the Oh, I'm sorry. I just haven't used as many dildos as you two, clearly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, they like Up it your dildo it game. slaps them on the, on the area. They. They. <laughs> and if we Look, up too... your dildo game is all I'm saying. Yeah, oh, right. come on. And if we use it too late, it'll be as pointless as Dean Kane's acting agent. <laughs> what the fuck Dean Kane do to you, man? He's oh, he's a, a MAGA. He's a MAGA. Oh, is he? Shit. Oh, never mind then. Fuck you, Dean Kane. Ludwig used more tape on his Airfix model. A tricky predicament, to be sure. So, when you're thinking? Mookie stroked the tablet with their forelegs, and an image flashed quickly in their mind like lightning. An image of a slender, beautiful moth. 
Death's head? She whispered, confused, as a tablet slid from her lap and fell to the floor. But Dukes was there to catch it and looked up at, uh, looked up at Mookie. You okay? What happened? I, I don't know, but something bad is about to happen. Mookie looked Dukes straight in the eye. We need to get there fast. Dude started playing the intro it to Cowboys from Hell by Pantera. <laughs> and a portal opened. Well, let's go be heroes then. The large group of harvesters advanced, firing blasts into the cavern, which Tamiya ducked and dived over with ease. At times like this, Tamiya thought she had maybe missed a calling in life. She could have been a cat burglar, or maybe a pole dancer. <laughs> the tips... <laughs> The tips, <laughs> the tips would certainly have been better, and the clientele only marginally worse. <laughs> I don't know. The lead harvester, a cretin named Tebow, who had spliced his organic frame with a pneumatic drill, shuddered as he shouted after her. Will you stay still, you jumping Jezebel? <laughs> Genius. <laughs> Tamiya threw the sword in a spinning arc, a sock attached to it. Hijoki ignited the sword as it entered the crowd, holding a helicopter of death in his mouth and slicing Tebow, thankfully so none of his dialogue needed to be written out again, <laughs> <laughs> and three of the upper pursuers in half. Good shot, Stinky, Tamiya shouted, sliding in risky business style and grabbing up the katana to finish off those that left that were somehow alive. <laughs> Three of the remaining harvesters turned tail and ran back down the stone-walled corridor at the sight of the barbarity as Tamiya started hacking and slashing. The trio had already taken a pretty heavy beating, leaking lubricant fluid from most of their orifices. As they turned the corner and got clear of the advancing Tamiya, a shadow dropped in front of them holding two pistols. The shadow wore a long duster jacket with an upturned collar, and the harvesters took a step back apprehensively. It's Graves, one whispered under their breath. Oh, wow, you think I'm Grissom? Lionel stood, looking pleased with himself. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, guys? They thought I... Focus up, kid, Hijoki shouted from further down the carav- cavern corridor. Lionel shook himself back into character and put on a deeper voice that only occasionally cracked. Hey... Looks like you're leaking pus there, brobot. Have you have you been kissing your mother's gonorrhea-laden front butt after Oh I, my god, oh, Jesus. After, after I slept with her last night. Wait, no, that's not right. I've mixed up two insults there. Tamia, what was my line again? <laughs> Just shoot them, Lionel. Tamia chastised from around the corner. This isn't a meet and greet. Oh yeah. Lionel shot one harvester in the elbow crease, forcing his arm to smash back into the other and slap him across the face. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> three stooges. As the two went down in a tangle of machine and wires, the last one charged at Lionel, who dodged a punch that smashed loudly off the cave wall with an echoing clang. Lionel shot through his tricep with a blast of plasma that made his arm hang from his shoulder by a few strands of sinew. Hmm. <laughs> The harvester howled and fell to his knees. With the three of them on the floor, Lionel turned his guns on them and spoke slowly. The crew I travel with would kill you, but I'm going to give you a chance to earn your freedom. What's the Technomancer's plan? One of the harvesters shook his head. No way, man. He'll kill us if we do. We'll keep him far too busy for that. Plus, what do you think my friend here will do to you you if you don't tell us? What is this? 
some infantile play on good cop, bad cop, the harvester spat, feeling Tamiya approach behind him. There are no good cops. We're more <laughs> shooty cop, decapitate cop, Tamiya said. <laughs> that old trope. The laser katana ignited close enough that the sweat dripping off the technomancer's forehead sizzled and steamed as it hit the blade. Hijoki got into the harvester's face. Spill the beans, or spill your intestines, lad. It's no difference to us. <laughs> We're in a holding pattern. We've been told the cowboy's going to be taken care of today. Grissom had been walking for what felt like days. But whatever, he wasn't a fucking wuss or anything. He was just saying... <laughs> but but when the sound of his own heavy and manly footsteps stopped echoing back at him and started resonating he knew something was up turning the corner he arrived in a large doomed doomed domed not doomed domed room in the cave structure (laughs) mf already taking his pack off as he stood in the center the carvings in the walls depicted some massive fight a confrontation between the dead and the just as he looked harder, he noticed depictions of himself, Blotch, Dutz, Ludwig, but there was no resolution to the battle. It rotated the room and seemed to stretch on forever. By the time he got around to where he thought he had begun, the carvings had changed somehow, as if to suggest the fighting would be eternal. Also, weirdly, there was a carving of a dog eating a bag of peanuts, like a walking on hind legs, human looking dog. And he was wearing a t-shirt that said, I honk for bitches on it. <laughs> Grissom turned back to Emif, his queer eye for the bounty hunter guy moment what over for fuck? now. What the fuck? What the fuck, oh, guys? Uh, uh, did we say anything about this in the DM or something? No! Oh, right. We're synchronized. Why would we talk about this? Just synchronized. Hasn't even been on. Well, I guess it's on now, but like, I, I dude, I don't know. Weird. Hey, you see that dog eating? A blast hit Grissom in the guts. <laughs> oh no! And he doubled over, sinking to his knees. He reached for his stomach, then pulled his hand away to reveal the red sticky liquid coat in his fingers. Why? Is it strawberry juice? He grimaced. Because I'm with the Technomancer, you fool. He raised <gasps> from the it. ground when I was cold and it's... He, he, sorry. He raised me from the ground when I was cold and it's embrace, brother. MF walked around Grissom. Admittedly, most of his reanimations have no memories but for what he gave them, and I was no different. But when you were all at the way station, your fears, your memories were transferred to the custodian, and the technomancer stole them for me. Hmm. He knows everything about you, Grissom, and he gave all that knowledge and hate back to me. Well, that explains it. A voice came from the other side of the room. We wondered where you got those memories from. Lionel walked out of the shadows, two pistols in his hands. What? What? You okay, Gris? Hunky, (gasps) hunky dory, Grissom said as he stood, towering over Emeth. How did you all know? Emeth sneered. Because I know how my brother really died, Grissom said through gritted teeth. You got a debt to pay, Emeth. Grissom used air quotes. Oh, well done, buddy. You used them right this time, Lionel beamed. (laughs) (laughs) Lionel, Grissom warned. Lionel nodded and looked abashed. Oh, oh yeah, pathos, sorry. (laughs) Flashback time, people. Harp effect dot midi. (laughs) (laughs) 
Lionel had known from the start that this imposter couldn't have been M.F. Graves, because Grissom had told him the truth long, long ago. It was a truth that the Duke of Lead hadn't been comfortable admitting to anyone else, and the lie that he didn't know what happened to him all those years ago was so practised it had become almost the truth. Replacing mm. it. In regards to the Waystation scanners, they apparently had replaced it. After Jackson Swiftfingers, their mentor, had died, the young Dukes of Leg- Lead, who had escaped the Technomancer, had split to avoid detection, and Grissom and MF had wound up on a planet in search of harvesters. They had found a conversion centre, where kidnapped innocents were being converted into harvesters for the Technomancer's armies. Emif had always been a questionable Duke of Lead. He wasn't cut out for it in so many ways, and Calandra, Grissom and the others had always pushed him along into something he was never ready for. And this was the day it had caught up with him. They liberated the camp easily, and were about to evacuate when a whole dropship of harvester reinforcements touched down. Grissom told the hostages to flee without them, ushering them through the forest and back to civilization as the Graves brothers led the harvesters in the opposite direction. And then MF gave them away accidentally, and the harvesters came for them. Mm. For six days they had been tortured and beaten, only to be returned to a cold cell every night. MF was about to break. Grimmoth had given him the pep talks, the comfort, the resolve for the brotherly resolve to keep going, but MF was running on empty. And one night, after a teary MF apologised and said he couldn't take any more, and admitted he was about to give the hiding place of the hostages away, he begged Grissom to kill him. Grissom pleaded with him to hold on, to be strong, but in both their hearts they knew MF couldn't. Grissom found the strength to do what was necessary and damn him in the process. To kill his own brother. Mm, two days later, two days later, an opportunity to escape arose, and Grissom slaughtered every harvester he could find, saving a hundred lives in the process. All it had cost him was everything. Years later, as his dead brother stepped off the shuttle ramp on the convey- onto the conveyance of Grissom Graves too, Grissom shared a look with Lionel, and a plan was formed. Messages mm. passed silently. Lionel would pretend to be petulant, naturally. It wasn't a big step, until Grissom (laughs) could find an opportunity to order him into the hall and discuss it out of earshot. Grissom, you told me, Emmeth, he whispered. Grissom exhaled. It was all he could do not to hold it together. I know, I know. It's got techno fucker written all over it. (laughs) That thing in there isn't my brother. But he obviously doesn't know we know that, Lionel smiled. Can't we use it? Flush out the Technomancer's plans by letting MF do a little bit of breaking up of the band, all the while leading us back to the Technomancer? Grissom put Lionel in a headlock. You goddamn little genius monkey. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of the crew were informed during the fake secret vote on whether MF should join the crew, and Grissom admitted to them what he had done, and how he had known that MF was an MF. The crew did something he wasn't expecting. They accepted him, understood him, forgave him. Then the crew was split, each with a task, leading each one right back here. <sighs> I have been given some of the Technomancer's powers. Two of you can't hope to take me down, MF spat, holding his pistols towards the two men. Jesus, dude, have you never seen a superhero movie before? <laughs> <laughs> Tamiya and Hajoki were bathed in red as she ignited the sword. Hero? Girl, you cut that harvester's dick off and shoved it up his... Hajoki smirked. Ah, ah, ah. 
Don't spoil our big entrance to Jokey Tammy Award. <laughs> Where Sounds are the heroic others? to me. <laughs> Where are the others? A fizzing light opened behind them, and Doots, Mookie, Ludwig and Blotch stepped through, taking positions around Emmeth. Sorry we're late, dear fellows. We wanted to make sure we were, be- we were loaded for bare-faced liar. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> a touching oh shit a touching re- reconciliation but the numbers are a little light eh I took two of you with me MF grinned knuckles white as he gripped the pistols and now my master can do the rest he pressed a button on his belt buckle of a bull with a shotgun only for <laughs> an electronic refusal to sound in return Oh, bless your dead heart, Ludwig laughed, rubbing his tentacles together. Heath stepped from the tunnels behind them, carrying a large large canister of black ink. I imagine this must be highly embarrassing for you, but you're not the shot you think you are, Mr Graves. Also, it is quite easy for me to block your communications, and subsequently track them back to your overlord. He threw the canister across the room where it shattered against the stone floor with a loud smash. The pool of black inside reformed instantly, Tabor stretching his long, talon-ended arms as if he had bones and muscles to warm up. And the Oscar goes to... Oh Next my day. god, everybody's alive! That Yay. must mean Hallie Swift Feather! <laughs> Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you lot can get in the canister, I was built to spread, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make the next shots count. MF pointed his pistols at Tabor and fired, only for them to hit him and do absolutely nothing. Don't worry, MF. Blotch, Blotch narrowed her eyes. Statistically, a lot of men fire blanks. <laughs> <laughs> again. Uh, very similar stories to yeah. yeah. Grissom snatched the pistols from his dead brother, then tore the Duke of Lead sigil from MF's coat and turned his back on his brother. He went over to Mookie. Let's get you back to the ship and protect that tablet. Don't you walk away from me, Grissom! MF screamed in the dark. Grissom didn't even look back, but passed the pistols and the sigil to Lionel and hit him on the shoulder. Good to have you back, brother. (laughs) Aw, man, that's so sweet. I hope you don't mind taking care of this for me. I, I can't do it again. I changed the ammo back to live rounds, by the way. Grissom wiped the red corn syrup off his shirt and smiled at Lionel. Yes! I knew it was strawberry (laughs) juice! He turned and picked up Mookie, putting them on his shoulder and giving Doots a nod. She created another portal and the pair walked through it and back to the ship, the sound of MF's screams following him. Grissom! He's waiting for you! You're dead! After it closed, Blotch swung her cudgel straight into MF's face. You'll want to talk! Batter up, ugly. (laughs) Emma stumbled backwards, but shook it off and jumped clear, only to be met by Doots, who made solid notes that flew towards Emma as she ran ran down the fretboard with her finger. Each one was a solid, high-pitched note, like a set of glass shards. The shards flashed past his skin, tearing small pieces from him. Pointless specks, he hissed as he pulled a shard from his chest green-tinged dust spitting from the wound. I must confess, I'm slightly offended, sir. Ludwig slivered towards him, climbing up his body as MF stabbed at him with the shard, only puncturing himself in the process. (laughs) Ludwig twirled around MF and jumped off of him, 
smiling as he pulled a detonator from his pocket. MF patted his frame, finding small mines all over him. The dead man lunged, but Ludwig pressed the button quickly, shaking him with incendiary blasts that stopped him in his tracks and covered the room in smoke. Someone's been playing Jedi so (laughs) (laughs) So annoying when they do that. (laughs) As nothing but screams pierced the smoke, Heath turned on his infrared visions and stepped into the fog, pulling Emma up off the floor and throwing him back into the clearing. The flesh had burned almost completely off his face to reveal a partially decomposed skull. The real Emeth. <sighs> Tabor followed up by pinning him to the floor with daggers of obsidian. Gross. You dukes of lead <laughs> might be slicker than jizz on an otter's neck. <laughs> what? what? Wait, wait a I mean, that's the slickest How? thing I can think of. Uh, <laughs> that is... <laughs> but if you get pinned down, you ain't all that. You can't treat me like this. I'm Emeth Graves, the thing screamed as Tamiya slashed at the ghoul's mouth, making him look like a poorly put-together puppet. He tried to talk, but just made gargling wet noises, spitting blood (laughs) all over his front. No, you're not. You're nothing but a spectre, Lionel said as he raised the pistols to MF's head. But that doesn't make me any less sorry this had to happen. I hope you find your rest, Emeth. The gunshots rang out loud in the cavern and it was done. We should burn the the body, Hijoki offered. Give what he once was a proper burial. Yes, Heath nodded. But first, Ludwig and I have some examinations to complete. And that's how I became a Duke of Lead, Lionel beamed. (laughs) 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 Holding a pint glass aloft, although it was filled with water because he was already high on his own self-aggrandising and didn't want to overdo it. Water. Not even like iced tea or like water. Blotch got up from the dining table of the Swift Feather and took a plate to the sink, rolling her eyes. And Doot stood pretty quickly after. We we know, Lionel, we were there. <laughs> but but you didn't have access to all the details of what we did as independent teams though. Lionel was still smugging, smiling smugly. Now it's all been woven together like a real story. A story where if there was an audience out there somewhere, they probably got fooled that Tabor and Heath were really dead. It's like there's a real narrator here. And maybe he got amused by people saying he was bloodthirsty and wanted to teach them all a lesson by toying with their emotions. (laughs) Tabor pulled a face. Wow, that'd be a real dickish thing to do. To toy toy with your creations and your audience in that way. Shut up, he might hear you, Lionel whispered. (laughs) Looking around, suddenly nervous. Ludwig's voice came over the ship's internal comms. Could uh, all available crew kindly mosey to the medbay, please? All right. What is it? Mookie asked, staring at the metal contraption that Heath was showing them, aware that unless it was some amazing new sex toy, three quarters (laughs) of the crew would soon lose interest. It is an implant we found in Emeth, Heath said proudly, but when nobody clapped, he went on. It, <laughs> <laughs> clap. it, it was implanted by the Technomancer in order to project the relevant life signs onto a lifeless corpse. I am sorry, Mr. Graves. Grissom shrugged. No need to be all apologetic about it, bot. Someone dug Emeth up. Someone needed to put him down again. It was a kindness to my brother that you all obliged. 
as ineloquent a thank you as that was, everyone felt a warm glow realising that they had done some good today. Blotch was first to break the silence. So, why call us down here then? It's, it's not going to do much good now, the guy's dead again. Ludwig smiled. Because, Blotch, we finally have an opportunity to turn the tables on the Technomancer and put our crew back together. Will you stop picking at it, Doot said over the transmitter in Lionel's ear as he furiously scratched at his itchy neck in the cockpit of the Barthor shuttle, <laughs> checking his reflection in the view screen. He certainly looked the part, MF's black coat and hat fitting pretty well, and the guns completed the look. It's easy it looks like um It's easy for you to say you haven't had a zombie's gross implant stitched inside you. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna get necrotizing fasciitis. Flesh eating disease. It is. Dute's <laughs> sigh was heavy. That was cured, Lionel. What what about what about botulism? Lionel asked. <laughs> Cured Mookie's with Doots, <laughs> and it was clear she'd taken over talking to Lionel so that Doots didn't have to open a portal and slap him across the face. <laughs> Good use of powers. I, I must be able to get some disease. Lionel looked at himself in the mirror, convinced he was turning green. He t- started to tug at the skin under his eye, but a tentacle shot out from MF's coat, which turned out to be Tabor in disguise. <laughs> I uh, suppose the bacteria could theoretically speed up your potential for male pattern baldness, the darkness sniggered. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) Lionel hopped on the spot, pulling at the skin at his incision site. Get it out! Get it out now! That's worse than the others! (laughs) Oh, Rich. God damn it, he's not wrong. (laughs) It's it's fine. You're you're so vain, you think that's worse than the flesh-eating disease? Mookie said over the earpiece. (laughs) Of course I do! (laughs) Mookie tried her best to be patient. Look, Lionel, this is the only way we can get Ellie back. When when you saw your future with Ellie, Dutes and I, you saw yourself joining the Technomancer. Isn't this better than you thought it would be? Mooks. All due respect, I wasn't really looking for an alternative way to join up, if to be, if I'm honest. Lionel sat in the pilot's seat and checked the scanners. There the ship was on the sensors. It was go time. So, so let me get this straight. This implant is going to convince the Technomancer sensors that I'm putting out the same signal as Undead Emeth did. Genius, eh? That was Ludwig, mm-hmm. proud of the Frankenstein he and Heath had created. Hey, hey Frankenstein! Hey, he's in this too! <laughs> If only, if only he didn't have eyes, eh? Tabor joked. He <laughs> is teasing you, Lionel. The Technomancer has no eyes. Not in the way organics do, Heath said. Even to me, you appear to be Emeth. It is unsettling. The proximity, warning, the proximity warnings went off in the cockpit and Lionel brought the rear view screen online. You want unsettling? There is a giant cock-shaped ship coming right behind us. <laughs> Does it have balls or is that useless too? I don't know whether it'll take us aboard or fuck us to death. (laughs) Blotch tutted. All right, all right. As soon as you dock with a ship, we'll start to lose you. So just take care of yourselves and stick to the plan. Rendezvous is in four days, okay? Remember, guys, I want my epitaph to read Lionel Richie, a bigger penis than everyone thought. So, two and a half inches, right? Chris oh, muttered. no. <laughs> the Fuck. Completely sh- fucking destroyed. 
The Technomancer ship was above them now, the clanking and clattering of the bay doors opening all around them. The shuttle was enveloped in the darkness. Oh, fuck. Oh, fucking fuck, Lionel muttered. Grissom <laughs> came back on. His voice was deadly calm now, but the radio had started to crackle. Remember, Lionel, you got to be like a real Duke of Lead if you want to fool that Technomancer. Be suave. Be sexy. Be menacing. Be anything but yourself, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's taking a beating in this episode. Everything's back to normal. The shuttle shuttle bumped down, landing in the shuttle bay of the Technomancer's ship, and suddenly the whole ship felt frigid and cold. It was as if the very life was being sucked from it. Emeth. As the Technomancer's voice seemed to scratch at its very bones, the shuttle ramp began to open slowly. Tabor wrapped tighter around Lionel, bulking him up and keeping him warm. Lionel patted the shapeshifter in thanks, and then got up and walked towards the green light of the bay. As he raised his hand to shield his eyes, the first thing he saw was thousands of pairs of green eyes staring back at him. Thousands of beings, from hundreds of worlds. The Technomancer had raised each of them from the dead. And there, at the head of his army, the Technomancer walked to Lionel and Tabor. With the swagger of Tamiya's dad, the indestructible shell of the slaughterer of the Dukes of Lead, and the pure evil that chased Tabor and the rest from Ithia. He was somehow worse like this. Emeth, have you completed your mission? His voice was shiver-inducing, as if it reached inside and grabbed at his very soul. Lionel just stared, paralysed in fear, until Tabor had to shake him to get him to answer. Uh, yes, Master. Graves is dead. He was easy to dispatch, really. His minuscule mouse brain and small penis were really easy to overcome. (laughs) (laughs) None of the the others suspect. The last message to come from his earpiece was grissom loud and clear. I'm going to kill you, Lionel. (laughs) (laughs) The, The crew have been split. They are easy to pick off now. Lionel shuddered at the realisation of how near they had actually come to it. The Technomancer tilted his head. You have done well, Emeth. We will send you out again with an army to wipe the others away. For now, rest. He waved a taloned hand towards a door and Lionel obliged, walking away as swiftly as possible without looking like he was running. Unless we decide otherwise, the Technomancer called after him. Lionel and Tabor searched the corridor beyond until they came to a lab where the heat emanating from the door made them stop. It's a lab, Lionel said. I don't know how, but I I know she's in there. Uh, let's shelve the talk of your creepy, mookie-esque clairvoyance powers for now and find our friend, <laughs> Tabor whispered. The lab, such as it was, was actually banks and banks of monitors, their cabling covering the floor to such an extent that Lionel had to tiptoe between them. Each monitor was showing other universes, the images flickering from one world to another every half second. There was a universe where the Dukes of Lead were led by a a woman Grissom, where Blotch and Tabor had morphed into one terrifying giant being. Embarrassingly, there was one where Lionel was just sitting in a computer chair in his underwear scratching his balls. (laughs) That's it? That's not that (laughs) The sheer amount of information was dizzying. In the middle of the room, connected to the monitors... The watch sat, Ellie's watch. He ran to it, whispering to it as if to wake her, then reached out. 
Ellie. Ellie, it's me, Lionel. Suddenly, he was hit from behind and sent to the floor. As he looked back, dazed... As he looked back, dazed, a hologrammatic woman stood in front of him. She was beautiful, and Lionel instantly knew who it was by the way she held herself. Ellie? Nice try. I know Lionel, and he's so not a zombie, the hologram said. I mean, (laughs) he does have a certain odour to him, but nowhere near what I'm registering. Odour? You described it as a musk, Lionel said. (laughs) That's not better. Tabor separated himself from Lionel. I didn't want to say anything, kid, but you you are kind of a bit ripe. You need to grow up and stop using Axe body spray. Oh, my God. (laughs) This character is... Is this your new Pavlov flinch push for fucking (laughs) your main character? There goes our Axe sponsorship, by the way. Ellie, it's us. Her demeanour changed instantly. Tabor, Lionel, how, how is this possible? Why, why do you look undead? As Lionel was still looking at her, confused, Tabor took the lead. Some uh, Heath and Ludwig techno-jiggery-pokery involving Grissom's dead brother. Come on, Ellie, we've got a plan to get you out of here. Ellie stood straighter. I'm not going. I can't. You guys shouldn't have come here. Lionel couldn't believe what he was hearing. They had sacrificed so much to save her and she was saying no? Why? he demanded. Because I'm the only thing stopping him from resetting the universe. (laughs) The door to the lab opened with a whoosh and outside in the hall the army of the dead waited as the technomancer sedately walked into the room and looked Lionel dead in the eye. I mean, how else could he look him in the eye, right? No. No, I'm not leaving the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Not voluntarily (laughs) Tabor lunged for him His arms rotating sores But with a simple flick of his hand The Technomancer sent Tabor flying back into the monitors Oh my god It's been a long time, Darkling But I don't wish to fight you The Technomancer smiled In response, Tabor liquefied And pushed himself instantly through the metal panelling of the walls And out of the room Find him the Technomancer said over his shoulder, and in response his entourage ran down the corridor with a horrifying screech. I mean the noise, Dustin Diamond wasn't there. <laughs> oh my rest god, in, rest in shit, <laughs> screech. The Technomancer stepped into the room, the temperature instantly Maybe dropping. You are off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the temperature instantly dropping to the extent that Lionel's breath was visible. It reached a taloned hand down to Lionel who looked up into the chrome skull of his enemy to see his own terrified face staring back at him in the reflection. Hello, Lionel. I've always wanted to meet you, he smirked. The end. What? How does he know? God, what the fuck? He's got human eyes because he's the fucking... uh, The dad. He's a dad. He's got human parts. They didn't think about that. He's got dad eyes. Oh my god. Out of the fire into the frying pan. Wait, the other, the other way. way around, yeah. Yeah, whichever way. It's Maybe you hard. dropped it into the fire first and then put it back in the pan. I don't know. There you go. That was nuts. Number one, yeah. like, way to pull the wool over everybody's eyes for a bunch of episodes. Thanks. Yeah, way to fucking fuck with my emotions, you sick uh. actual fuck. Uh, I would like to point out that your reputation for being bloodthirsty predates these killers oh, by yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, yeah, someone... I believe we were calling you inhuman well before oh, this yeah. podcast like, even started. Episode, true. Episode three, I think. Um, 
like uh, someone was trying to do a kill count on the Discord or suggested doing it, and then we realised that um, I the, my first line in one of my stories was like about Earth being a nuclear wasteland. So it's yeah, like, you killed, killed billions, billions yeah. in the first sentence. Yeah. So. You know, Look, I could kill billions if I want. I just don't feel yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, we all could just blow up a planet J.J. Abrams style. Oh, that's scary, I guess. <sighs> yeah, be a fucking relief to me if you blew this one up, you know what I mean? As long as we didn't survive. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. I'm really happy that everybody's back together. Uh, it's a yeah, shame it's... that Lionel is going to get killed by the Chrome Skull Man. Uh, we'll just I have don't to know, see. Man. He's got some weird force powers, so who knows? Uh, I made people in the Discord try and predict who was going to die as well, so I could play around with their emotions because I just find it funny. You're a monster. <laughs> you, have <to> think, <laughs> you have to think like Rich. Who does Rich want to kill? It's the person that everyone likes. So I think Tabor's gone again. He's fucking with again? us. Again. Yeah, he's gonna and do Ta- it. Again. I like Tabor's powers a lot. Yeah. Uh, like, he's you know, a Looney Tunes character. Yeah, he's fucking. Like, he's got uh, like a great ink. sarcastic personality. Yeah, he's like yeah. Ink from Batman Beyond. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not telling you who survives and who doesn't. Well, that we would don't. ruin the story. Yeah. We'd have to. We'd have to fucking like erase our memories. Yeah. No. <laughs> I've, I, we've got you. Create such like fully rounded lovable characters like the oh. moment when uh grissom actually called lionel his brother like yeah. actually hit me a little bit and my feelings <laughs> felt felt good uh yeah i i it's all from characters my story I, I don't mind having 11 of them it turns out it's just needed a little bit of a no that's moving good. around that's, yeah <laughs> well your ability to like keep them all distinct is really impressive blotch is the one i find a bit hard uh i was gonna say especially when they all have the same voice (laughs) they have similar voices that's true gravelly british guy soft british guy (laughs) slightly southern (laughs) british guy (laughs) southern british guy (laughs) yeah we've got all the flavors Vanilla, vanilla with chocolate chips, vanilla without chocolate chips, vanilla and vanilla, vanilla. bean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm Blo- kidding. Blotch is the one I find the hardest. I don't think I've done enough with her, and I think her defining character trait is the fact that her best friend died, and it's getting a bit old now. I, I think that that's. I th- I don't know. She's she's still good though. Like you write better characters than like a lot of things that are on television or in movies. We, <laughs> like, we need yeah, a show. We need a show. Yeah. Yeah. We need some rich person to actual rich, not you know, named rich, uh, to find us and make our stuff into a like an animated show or something. That's yeah, what everybody I was, was that, thinking. Everybody was, was thinking, watching you that, mean uh, like a Vox. guy named Rich? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that Vox Machina critical role yeah. show and like nothing against them or anything, but I was like, we're we write better than this. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I can't disagree. It's a bold if I'm claim. Honest. I know a yeah. lot of people like uh, Critical Role. Yeah. But. Mm, well, I, I will think, say, to well take up for Critical Role, because I'm the good one on the show that everyone's going to like after this, <laughs> is 
they created their story by like playing a D and D game. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to yeah. follow the game, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I'm coming. We actually into it wrote as, our yeah. stories like real writers, and I'm yeah. like those fuckers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Those good. rich fuckers. Good, yeah. good on them, right? They broke yeah, no, into no, it's cool, yeah. the market doing something different. And now you can get, like, sideshow statues. Oh, the dude, they characters. have all kinds of art and stuff, yeah. yeah. I we mean, really screwed ourselves over just then, because that's eight or nine rich people who could have made our show, but now we fucked them all over. Oh, I don't think that... We didn't say anything bad. We're still... Yeah, they're still, still good. good. I just yeah. think we're better. Yeah, we're just better. I don't have any part of this I'd like to point out. <laughs> we have confidence in our abilities. Let's just say that. No, we Overconfidence don't. Overconfidence in our <laughs> weak abilities. Our DM. Weird. That's true. Both simultaneously really confident and actually did just self-disparaging to the point of it that's, being a mental illness. That's writers for you. Yep. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's millennials. For we're, we're, we're in our DM. Like I wrote the fucking shittiest story I've ever written yeah. in my goddamn life, and then it yeah. turns out to be just as good as all the rest. Yeah, I fucking was had to prevent myself from saying that last night because you know we were gonna make feel... fun of you on the show. <laughs> um, yeah, we were gonna bully you live on our program. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, whatever gets us listens, you know what I mean? It's true. true. Maybe if it's shitting on the critical role, oh, get no. listens. Don't spank my bare ass on the show, <laughs> daddies. Don't spank my bare ass critical role. Yeah. Wow, this show's good. It's, it's a good just, show. I, Especially I noticed, Rich, Rich yeah. Masters' great stories. I almost said Rich Evans. That'd be a treat. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weird. Just swap, swap him in for one episode. <laughs> Rich Master. It's me, Rich Evans. <laughs> Rich Evans sounds mysteriously like Reese's the Wild. <laughs> hey, it's me, Rich Evans. Yeah. This story is about AIDS. Yeah. Oh no. I'm glad we don't have a sponsor after that. <laughs> we do. Not anymore. AIDS. Axe body spray. Critical role. And and AIDS. Dildos. <laughs> yeah, ball, dildos with balls dildos. were our big sponsor. <laughs> I'll show you some videos, Rich, and I'll, that'll explain what's going on with the balls. Okay, Dad. They're of me. <laughs> and you too can get that if you're a patron of the show. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Storylords. Storylords! <laughs> uh, should we take a break? Uh, and we're going to come back with... Mr. Henderson's tale that he wrote last night, which is always a good sign of quality. In the... I always write yeah. that. Yeah. The night before. You're the last minute king. That's your Josh, the yeah. last minute king. That's your It's new my thing. executive dysfunction. Yeah. It's completely that. You need the pressure. You need the fear. Yeah. I need the, the knife staring down at me. Mm. It's the sword of Damocles hanging yeah. over his head. Yeah. The dildo the of Damocles. Damocles. The dildo of Damocles. The bald dildo of Damocles. The dildo with balls of Damocles dangling over your head. Oh, on... Why did they put balls on the sword? <laughs> it's so that it can hit you as it comes down and slap you in the face with the balls. That's right. That's right. It feels good. <laughs> We'll be back. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. I've, heard. <laughs> so I've been told by others. We'll be back in 
an indeterminate amount of time to finish our stories. satiated but you know you shouldn't probably have dessert but it's josh josh is on the menu good old yeah, desserty josh i'm like the tiramisu of stories yeah all sugar and no value nutritionally. <laughs> <laughs> saved it <laughs> also i fucking want some tiramisu i love tiramisu your tiramisu Dude. sounds really good right oh, now man. like it's so good, right? Uh, How come it's not more of a staple dessert? I don't know. Too fancy. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna tell a quick story. I know I've already told a story, but yeah. uh, the weekend that uh, Rachel and I got engaged, we went to this Italian restaurant in like uh, this nice place in the New Forest, which is like where you go on a walking holiday, basically. Better than the old forest. Go. Better yeah. than the old forest. <laughs> yeah. And um, this Italian restaurant we told them that we'd got engaged and they basically let us have one of everything from the food cart for, uh, from the dessert shit. cart they had a dessert cart it was that sort of like italian restaurant and we were like uh, they were like uh, they were showing us the desserts and they said how has your day been and my wife went oh we got engaged today like very matter of factly not like give us some free stuff yeah. um and they were like Okay, don't pick anything. And they came out and they had this fucking tray of desserts. And they were like, eat what you want, leave what you don't. You fucking Harry Pottered the, the fucking restaurant. That was the young so Harry nice. Potter it was like, great. buys the cart. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else gets any fucking dessert. It was great. It was great. And I had the best tiramisu there. That's why that story came up. Yeah. I, yeah. And you know when you have a sense memory around food? Yes. And someone says yes. the term and you're like, mm, I can taste it. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. that tiramisu. Damn, man. Maybe I should get engaged to you. Yeah, well, you get the best tiramisu. <laughs> baby, baby. Rich and I just got engaged. I'm practicing. Are you a ghost? Oh! <laughs> I'm a British ghost. I hear the ghost part. <laughs> <laughs> it comes and goes. There we go. Now we're talking British ghosts. It comes and goes, Jeffrey. <laughs> All right, my story this week. Rich didn't even intro you. Jesus. I mean, it's it. fine. I can't at this point. British ghost has it. me all out of whack. He said it. Uh, it's called Smothers Day. <laughs> <laughs> Debts and breakups. That's the prompts. Oh. Wrote that down so I didn't forget. Eight years ago. It's like the title card shows up with that on it. <laughs> <laughs> A big title like um, the Russo yeah. brothers do. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, the holidays in Daranos. Wait, it's not the holidays in the real world right now? But I wrote this idea down when it was the holidays and it was supposed to be the holidays in the episode. Well, shit. I'm going to have to talk to my agent about these prompts. Hello, Jerry. Yeah, it's me. 
I can't work like this. Tell them, no, no, Jerry, listen. Tell them I need prompts that match my story ideas. I don't know, Jerry, make it happen. <laughs> okay. Okay, you're right, you're right. Fired, you say? Well, shit. <laughs> Ah, the lesser-known holidays in Derrida's. <laughs> that was, I can imagine, Jerry, your agent, being Gil from The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say, oh, Mr. Anderson. Oh, God. <laughs> ah, the lesser-known holidays in Derrida's, also known as greeting card holidays in the realms of the real. Smother's Day, like a soggy milf yearning to be set free, comes only once a year. <laughs> That poor MILF! <laughs> and just like bagging that MILF, it is a holiday best spent with others. <laughs> Preferably more than three, but under six, as that gets confusing as to who's filling up who slash who gets gifts for who. Sorry, who filling up who is filling up whom. There we go. <laughs> British Ghost is back. British Ghost is here. Ooh! <laughs> Avast! Look hardy there, boys! Clarence the talking clam pirate said while holding a <laughs> dulled butter knife shaped like a sword in his clam mouth. <laughs> we must be taking this booty for it's Mother's Day and I plan on smothering me mommy and booty! He shouted as his... He shouted as he and his men, who were just regular ass pirates, started upload started unloading golden candlesticks and paintings and all sorts of loot off the treasure barge, which they were, which was making its way into Grawl Harbor. Uh, boss said his first mate, Squiggles. <laughs> Squiggles. <laughs> you might want to watch the phrasing on that. He warned as the rest of the crew laughed at the not so subtle double entendre. My me mother's a saint, Clarence shouted. And if and she wishes me to have carnal relations with her on this day of celebration, so be it. Oh, oh, God, a pirate cried in the background as everyone else was like, oh, ew. It's okay, lads, Clarence began to clarify. She's me stepmom, and one time she got stuck in the all-dry machine. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a different story, the pirates all said to various degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and continued to loot the barge. Keep in mind that this dude is literally a talking clam, and he's talking about Game of Thrones and his stepmom on Smother's Day. As a wise man once said, this is a bad episode. <laughs> <laughs> a very wise man. <laughs> Indeed. Nobody's fucking their stepmoms today, boys, a voice from atop the sail suddenly said, with all the confidence of someone who actually fucked their stepmom once. <laughs> <laughs> with the spin of his dagger, Sid stabbed the, stabbed the sail and slid downward, ripping the sail like he ripped your stepmoms. Well, you get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Sid the rogue, Clarence said, unsurprised. Get it, boys! Dozens of pirates began to pour out of the ship's hold, dropping their loot with a clang on the salted wooden deck. Their rage more so having to do with now moving this loot was going to take longer, and not so much that some random troll was interrupting them. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like when your friend asks you to move and then wants to stop to eat lunch. Like, let's pull this band-aid off, man. <laughs> also, this is the only time I'm helping you move, bro. Next time you can call my agent Jerry. <laughs> 
<laughs> Not so fast, gentlemen. A voice boomed from out uh, the other side of the ether. Wait, what? A voice boomed from out of the ether. There we go. In a blaze of fiery magic, Ugla stepped out of a portal onto the deck of the barge. Ah, fuck, ah! Yelled a pirate as the edge of the portal translocated directly into his right side. His arm vaporized in an instant, leaving his guts and bones on the right side of his body to splay outward from the casing that no longer was holding those important body parts and meats inside. He gurgled and fell over dead within seconds. Ark, Jesus, Clarence yelled. <laughs> Pirates had stopped now and were vomiting and crying. Oh man, oh man, I'm sorry, Uglas said. We usually save violence like this for the third act, but he shouldn't have been standing there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was that was that was just fucked up, Clarence said, without a hint of irony, since again, he's a talking clam pirate who wants to fuck his mom. <laughs> no irony in that. <laughs> no irony there. <clears throat> <laughs> the remaining pirates, now incensed at the thought that they were going to have to clean up this gross dead body, <laughs> screamed a piratey scream and charged at both Ugla and Sid. Ugla waved her staff around and shot electrical bolts through the bodies of three pirates, like that scene from Last Crusade when Indy shoots those <laughs> Nazis on the tank. Pew! Right through them. Their families will never know what happened to them because they were emotionally distant and never really kept in touch with their loved ones. <laughs> Just, just a little too real. Oh, yeah, too too real. Real. oh, get ready, get ready. <laughs> Sid used his dagger, his dual daggers, and slit the throats of several oncoming pirates. One pirate tried to use a candelabra as a weapon, only to have Sid parry and thrust expertly around it. As he drew closer to the pirate, Sid slipped his lil Sid slipped lil pointy between the ribs of his assailant. As the pirate gurgled through the blood swelling in his trachea, Sid pulled him closer and let out a gentle "Shh, go to sleep now." <laughs> <laughs> the pirate's last thoughts were, "Wow, this dude is pretty fucking cool." <laughs> Little help here, Uggs, Sid shouted down to the lower deck. Without hesitation, Ugla sent a fireball up the deck, hitting the pirate, setting his already dead body ablaze. <laughs> Sid then lit a spliff off of it, off of the fire, and pulled the, and puffed fire and puffed a puff that would hotbox even your sweet mama's gaping hotbox? Who the fuck wrote that? Jesus Christ. Cool as fuck. <laughs> Close enough, Sid said. He was hoping Ugla would have hit the candles on the candlestick, but this would do. <laughs> After only a few more gruesome minutes, the battle was over. The two lovers stood covered in pirate blood, panting. I need a cigarette after this poorly written, violent metaphor for sex, Ugla said, gasping for air. <laughs> This shit, Clarence said as he <laughs> tried to leap o overboard, but his clam body was too small to get over to the side of the ship. Clarence, how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> <laughs> Sid said as he grabbed Clarence and put him in one of those lobster cages. <laughs> Come on, guys, Clarence began to plead. We didn't hurt anyone. This thing's being sailed by ghosts. Did you know the Grawl Shipping Corp hires ghosts and then pays them in ghost dollars? What the <laughs> hell is even a ghost dollar? It's a victimless crime here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ugla said dismissively. The bounty on your head says otherwise. No matter, Clarence said calmly. I am a, I am a master of escape, he said as he began to gnaw at the ropes of his cage with his clammy mouth. 
I can see your tube foot, Ugla said, disgusted. Like what you see last, Clarence said. <laughs> Somehow implying a wink, even though he didn't even have eyes. <laughs> How is this character in this story right now? What the fuck is happening? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> As the gross crew reappeared and sailed the ship back to Grawl Harbor, the sun began to set. Ugla stood, looking out over the water, admiring its calm and the glinting of the suns off the blue-green ocean. Sid slowly sidled up beside her leaning against the railing uh, of the ship in the exact same manner she was. I got you something, he said without looking at her as he held out his hand. I'm not a mother, Sid, she said, crooking an eyebrow at him. No, but you're one. Sid unfurled a golden wrap necklace that said, Bad bitch encrusted in diamonds and rubies. <laughs> this thing was like the size of a clock, and I don't mean a digital clock. I mean like a Flava Flav style size clock. Is he dead? I sure hope not. Even though he banged Bridget Nielsen, I really liked him. Is Bridget Nielsen dead? Eh, Red Sonia was okay. <laughs> it's nice you based that piece of jewelry on the piece I got you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. That's I'm right. wearing it right now. Oh. Clang, clang, clang. And hopefully nothing Anyways. else. That's it. It's hitting my dick. That's how long it is. Or big it is? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking some water then. <laughs> I killed him. Oh. oh, you shouldn't have, Ugla said with a laugh. She hugged Sid and they watched the water as dolphins began to surface. Not dolphins. <laughs> dolphins. Like Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> They're like regular dolphins, but their fins are jacked and muscly as fuck, boy. <laughs> Master of the Universe was okay. <laughs> it was. When, it when was did you write this again? Uh, two in the morning. <laughs> Midnight, kind of. Uh, Ugla let out a sigh. <laughs> well, that was the easy part of the day, she said, snuggling up to Sid. Now we have to go to my parents. <laughs> Cut two. As Ugla rang the door chime at her parents' upper-middle-class grawl home, she took notice of just how many people were out mowing their lawns. <laughs> the next thing she noticed was the telltale sound of her father's custom door chime, which played a different ACDC song every time it rang. Soon thereafter, Fred God. opened the door, chewing on an entire steak. Come in, losers, he said with a smile. He hugged his sister and Sid, and they did that predator handshake thing that should honestly, like, be in everything and never gets old. <laughs> I agree. Ugly quickly turned to Sid and began to whisper, Okay, I know this is your first time meeting my parents, so I have to warn you. This is gonna suck. It's gonna suck hard. My dad is, well, he's insane. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine, Ugg, Sid said. Deep down, he wasn't nervous, but kind of excited to meet Ugg's parents. <laughs> was that what love was? He'd never been excited to meet <laughs> anyone's parents. Not even the top-quality Grawl hookers he paid to be his girlfriend for a night. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this was before. Lore. Lore. He's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Dad, this is Sid. He's, uh, he's a, biz a businessman of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, sir, Sid said, holding out a hand. Sid, huh? Ugla's dad said. He was a brute of a man, tall and thick. He had an eye patch over his one eye and a white beard. 
He looked like he ate tuna cans for dinner, dinner and shook Sid's hand like he was trying to get the last of the toothpaste out of the tube. Ha 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 ha, he laughed. That's a firm grip you got there, son. Name's Ham the Hog Skull Peeler. Come, Winnie. Your mother is waiting to see you. Winnie? Winnie? <laughs> yeah, that's my name, Winnie Wisenstein, she said curtly. <laughs> you didn't think my real name was Ugla, did you? That's just a nickname they gave me at Wizard Yale. Winner, Winnie Wizenstein, said, laugh, said with a laugh. <laughs> that's funny. Why is that funny, Ugla said seriously. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Then she jabs Sid in the ribs and smiled. Come on, meet my mom. The two walked into the living uh, living area near a recliner that was reclined but noticeably empty. Mom? Ugla spoke to the empty chair. This is my bo- boyfriend, Sid. The chair sat in silence. What the hell is going on, Sid thought inside his own head. Fred walked in and began speaking to the chair. Uh, do you want to be in the kitchen for dinner or in here, Mom? Yes, as he was now gnawing on an entire chicken. It was cooked this time. <laughs> okay, whatever you want, Mom, Fred said, leaving the room. Uh, Sid stammered. It's nice to meet you, ma'am, Sid said in an uncomfortably loud tone. Did did she eat a bad apple? Sid whispered to <laughs> Oh, no, it's, it's not that, Ugly uh, reassured him. Dad gave her a curse ring several smothers days ago, and now she lives in a liminal void that is both a bridge out of this reality and a prison. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, is that all, Sid said, looking down at the chair. <laughs> Meanwhile, inside the liminal space Ugla's mother was trapped in, she could only hear the screams, screamings, screamings of ancient and long-dead horrors as everything around her was an opaque white. The sound of the dead haunted her every waking moment, and she prayed for death. If only she could stop the sounds. She looked up to see the visage visage of Sid, who was covered in spiders and darklings. As he spoke, the sound was so loud, it would have driven her insane if she wasn't already there. (laughs) Hey, but that's marriage for (laughs) you. Damn. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Sid, my boy, Ham said. Do you want to go look at my lawnmower? <laughs> He's a dad. <laughs> sh- sh- sure, Sid said, eyes wide open now. What the hell was going on? <laughs> Soon all five of them were sitting at the table getting ready to eat the feast of Smothers Day. Ugla's mom was sitting, presumably, in an empty chair. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why Stein Eleven was an inside grog. Oh, him finished. God. His completely and totally normal thought that wasn't at all conspiratorial or inappropriate for any conversation, let alone dinner. Mm-hmm. He's not wrong. <laughs> Do your own research. <laughs> Sid, have you seen my Stein Eleven commemorative knife collection? They only appreciate value. Got them off of Q-Ball VC for five ghost dollars. <laughs> Any guess how much they're worth now? <laughs> uh, anywhere between zero and five ghost dollars, Sid guess. <laughs> yeah, right, Ham said cockily. More like millions of ghost dollars. <laughs> you don't say, Sid said, giving Ugla a look as if to say, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> 
She gave him a look back like, I fucking told you these people were insane, bro. <laughs> so witty, Ham went on. When are you going to give up this ridiculous dream of being a wizard? Sid dropped his fork mid-chew, like that gift from that show I never watched. Breaking Bad? I think that's the guy. I think the guy's <laughs> name is Uncle Jesse. Back up in the middle was okay. <laughs> Jesse. Fred slowly and painfully pushed himself back out of his chair as it made a really uncomfortable and lanky, uh, lengthy screech sound. Well, time I be getting more steaks on the grill, he said, not so tactfully excusing himself. <laughs> I am a wizard, Father, Ugla said, swooshing her beard. No, no, I mean, when are you going to be a real warrior, like your brother? Not this namby-pamby magic shit. I mean, when are you going to go out there and really peel some skulls? Ugla set down her fork and dabbed her mouth with her napkin daintily. When are you going to accept me for who I am, father? She shot back. Sid took another bite of eyeball pudding as his eyes shifted back and forth between the two combatants. No daughter of mine's going to be a beard-wearing hippie magic user, Ham shouted suddenly. I earned this beard! It's who I am now! Ugla <laughs> shouted back. <laughs> I was the only female to graduate my class at Wizard Yale, class of 6969, and I'll be damned if some old-ass man whose days are well behind him will put me down for it. <laughs> You're a skull peeler, Ham said, slamming his fist on the table. You can take your mother's God rest her soul's maiden name, but you'll always be a skull peeler. She's not even dead, Dad! She's right here! <laughs> Ugla said, pointing to the empty chair. I, th I think? <laughs> <laughs> Wizard Yale Ham went on angrily, really chewing on some bread. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that lib, East Coast, elite, queer eye for the straight guy watching, watch your wife. <laughs> that was our so prompt weird, right? this time, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Our picture>. yeah. <laughs> queer eye for the straight guy watching, watch your wife have sex with another man, Will and Grace, Gilmore girls, fast talking, postmodernist embracing participation trophy given out, immigrants breathing up all our magic hallucinogenic vapors, <laughs> <laughs> old Toby smoking, college, and the debt. How how much did it cost you to go there again? Dead, Ugla said, slamming her fist down equally hard. I took 400 level alchemy. I can literally turn this entire table into gold. I don't even have college debts. I can literally make gold out of shit. <laughs> Cryptocurrency, Ham said out of nowhere. <laughs> That's the true future. Ghost dollars. They call them that because you find them in crypts. <laughs> oh my guy. god. He smashed it. He smashed the lie apart. Ghost dollars. <laughs> Fuck. There it is. That's it, right? You fucking genius. <laughs> uh, you know what? This has been a really great and all, but we have to leave. We have actual important things to be doing tomorrow, Ugla said, covering her food with her napkin. Mom, it was great to see, uh, great to be here for you, Ugla said, hugging nothing but air around the chair. Oh. Dad, Go fuck yourself, she said with fuck all the spite yeah, and venom yeah. as a viper. Leave, he shouted. Sid stood up and patted Ugla on the shoulder. Thank you for having us over, sir. But I just have to say one thing, Sid said calmly. 
ACDC sucks in every dimension, <laughs> most especially this one. <laughs> Yay! Got him. Uglin Sid stood, staring out at the docks over the harbor they had just fought so hard to keep safe earlier that day. But Ugla was mind, uh, but Ugla's mind was on another battle, one she had fought a thousand times since she had became a wizard, one that seemed to have no winner and no end in sight. Hey, Sid said, nudging her. So that was, yeah, she said in response. <laughs> they stood quietly for what seemed like minutes. He's not wrong, you know, she said finally. Sid shot her a look as if to say, The fuck you saying, woman? (laughs) (laughs) It's top quality writing. (laughs) I'm pretty sure your father is wrong about everything, Sid said with a forced laugh, trying to make her feel better, or maybe trying to make himself feel better. No, if I'm going to be a wizard, I need to do more. There are so few of us left, she trailed off. We have a good thing going here, Uggs, Sid said, trying to sound not to sound desperate. Was he desperate? Desperate for her to stay with them? Desperate for them to kick everyone's asses until there was no asses left to kick? He felt a tug at his hearts, like one of them had moved an inch farther away from the other. Yeah, I know, we do, but... She turned to face him. There's no- something happening here, and I don't mean just in Grawl. The whole world seems off. Like that first day of real winter when there's no sound, you know? Like everything is dull, not sharp. I can't really explain it. Sid nodded and tried to understand. Truthfully, he couldn't. All he could think about was her. Well, he finally said, I can come with you. She turned to face him completely now. No, she said. Just no. The word hit him like a mallet to the temple. Ahoy, scallywags! It is I, Clarence! The tiny clam pirate suddenly shouted from the docks. Not now, Clarence! We're kind of in the middle of a thing! Ugla shouted. Oh, my, my bad. I'll... I'll come back later, he relented. <laughs> hey, I'm going down to the cafe. You guys want like a scone or a chai or something? Large chai, venti, my treat. Clarence, for the love of fuck! <laughs> Ugly screamed. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be safe for you, Sid, she finally said after Clarence left. <laughs> Serious? Besides, I have to go places you can't. I have to walk this path alone. Sid felt his heart move another inch away from his uh, other heart. Ugla reached into her robes and pulled out the bad bitch rapper's chain. She balled it up and handed it over to Sid. You're the world's greatest thief, she said with a forced smile. I'm sure you'll be able to steal my heart again in the future, when we see each other again. Sid reluctantly held the chain. He rubbed his fingers over the jewels. He imagined them touching her skin. He was almost jealous that they had touched her skin touched her skin last, but he ran his fingers over them in a vain attempt to feel her through the object itself. He cleared his throat. You're the world's greatest wizard, he finally said, choking back a tear. That's who you are. A tear rolled down her cheek as she smiled. I'll be here for you when you get, when you get back, he said, as a tear made its, way, made its way down his own cheek. And with that, she was gone. Sid didn't notice the portal zoop in and out of reality. What just happened? They were like, they were like a team for not four hours ago, and now they're what? Were they breaking up? Was this like a business trip kind of thing, or like a going away to college kind of thing, where every everyone sort of agrees that they're gonna just do whatever and fuck whoever because zip codes don't mean it's cheating? <laughs> wow. <laughs> what the actual fuck just happened? And what the hell is Stein Eleven? <laughs> 
ahoy there, boyo! I got you a large chai just in case, Clarence said, waggling a hot drink in front of himself. Sid looked down. Clarence, my man, I'm going to need something a little bit stiffer than chai tonight. The end. No! Do you know what? Kudos to Clarence for not saying chai tea. (laughs) Tea tea. Yeah, tea tea. It's like naan bread. why Why do people say that? It's, it's bread. Bread bread. You can't say bread English, bread. You can't English say tea It's the hair of desert. Yeah. <laughs> We're bad at our language that we invent. That was heartbreaking, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> was it? They're going they're it... going away to fucking college and zip codes don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the road trip rule. Sid's yep. in love, and he does not to process it. And we can, we've all been there. We've all yeah. been there. I mean, it's probably like the best way to break up. It could have been horrible, right? Yeah. But it so wasn't. it was a breakup. I mean, that was the prompt, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> that and Stein Eleven. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and pretty queer sure the prompt eye. was Queer Eye for the straight. <laughs> yeah, and Queer Eye for some reason. That was uh, hilarious. For one, yeah. like it's really funny seeing a character based on every father I've ever met. Yep, <laughs> put together. And my biggest fear: bringing somebody home for the holidays. Uh huh. Uh huh. The, the big worst holiday. thing you could do: the big holiday is Mother's Day. <laughs> the uh, I think I feel worst for the mother. I mean, the breakup yeah. was harsh, but the mother living in the dimension of spiders and screaming was. But mm, uh, I mean. She didn't have to live with Ham anymore. True. Yeah, Ham's kind of a piece of shit, right? Mm. Look, he's right about Stein Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Those commemorative knives are really going up in value, too. <laughs> Millions of ghost dollars. <laughs> ghost dollars. <laughs> it's it's wild to me how you're capable of creating these like lunatic situations in this fucked up world, but still making me care about the characters in it. <laughs> Do you? I'm glad you do. Yeah, it's all about yeah. characters, man. If you're not, yeah. if you're not getting your, st- if you're getting, the- you can have the best narrative in the world, but if you haven't got the people to take it, like it's all about characters. It's all agreed. shit. Yeah, we've got, that matters. We've created story. great characters. Better than Critical Role, I've heard. I, I, I have, heard that. I have heard line. similar things. <laughs> the internet is saying that. Mm. Uh, people the on the internet have said that. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact that they've said it, not that it's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, they've yeah, just yeah, said yeah. it. They've said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sid and Ugly just got back together too. No, this was eight oh, years ago. Oh yeah, you said yeah, eight years is, ago. Okay, this is a this is a prequel. Stop I'm, doing prequels, Josh. Yeah, we, we just talked about <laughs> how prequels, prequels are bad. <laughs> it's more like a flashback, not yeah. a prequel. You didn't see it. It's not. It's not like Ugly's dad met the ghost mom or whatever. You know. So this is that why he's so had... interested in ghost dollars? Because it's a ghost yeah. mom? <laughs> that so and he this... falls for scams. This week, we all made a Queer Eye reference, which is just the weirdest thing because we have not discussed it. No. Yeah. Um, we I haven't watched had... that show in 15 years, man. We all had flashbacks to the past. Mm-hmm. I can't think if there's a third thing we all had. We all had debts and breakups. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> We, did, we all had the prompts, it's true. <laughs> Two of the stories had Frankenstein mentioned in them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, 
they man that was good thanks i i don't know how to end this series season i don't know how to, i don't well, know what i'm doing i uh, so i don't know if i'm no i'm not gonna say what i was gonna say don't tell um, yeah keep it under your hat i don't think you will end it in maybe the same way that jeff no i went. won't yeah i won't i am killing off all the characters I mean, maybe. <laughs> That's what Rich is going to do. Don't spoil my stories, Jeff. <laughs> and the next, It's going to be so British that next season is just a completely different show, and it's like yeah. the same name. It's a limited it's series. Yeah. It'd be like Blackadder. Everyone's exactly. called Blackadder. But yeah. uh, it's all the, the same actors. Completely Blackadder, Blackadder. That's the song. I know that show. I'm just going to have all the heroes. Uh, Spoiler alert, everyone loses. Even the bad guys. How does that work out? Oh, that's cool. (laughs) I like a good old everyone loses story. Yeah. More true to life, right? It's real life, yeah. Everyone's pissed because no one got what they wanted, including the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of ending of stories... Uh, should we uh, bring out Prompt Bot? Oh, yeah, it's at my house. He's at your house, Jeff. Don't send that dick to me. He's he's out, he's out. First first prompt, please, Prompt Bot. We've got Pacts. P-A-C-T-S from... I think I'm saying this right because your name doesn't have an N in it. On our uh, as your Patreon uh, patron listing, Anthway, Dracula Daddy Stoker. Ooh, Dracula Dracula <laughs> Daddy. Um, D Daddy. Next prompt, please. What the fuck are you doing? I reading him. I reprogrammed. Damn it! Hold on, because the fucking number generator didn't work. Oh, it's because I did the wrong opening. Hold on. Uh, oh, it's still not working. This oh, is my God. Oh, no. Uh, d- play me out, Johnny. Hold on. I'll do, it. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Just hold on. Hold on. We're in a holding pattern. Hold on. Holding pattern. Holding pattern. Dead holding air. Promptbot really feels like it's it's his fault right now. He's really I bumming out right now. <laughs> I fucking isn't. I don't Prompt, know. Prompt is not doing a, a, a great job. Let's just oh say God. that at the moment. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Gonna have to Wait come home and live with his daddy again. We're gonna do... Oh, there we go. Sacrifices. Ooh. Packs go together. and sacrifices. That's quite that does go really well together. And also... Lends itself to some good stories of where our stories are going. Probably. God, I wish I got this as the final prompt yeah for, like episode 26 we'll just uh make it the final one and then just write like three fillers <laughs> <laughs> that prompt is from chris already better than pratt damn he didn't true. have a surname so. it's true the best um, chris yeah. yeah not crispy rat although you know his his voice acting in mario has I was pretty. I was pretty happy with it. Giving him honest. a plus one, but he's already a minus one hundred. So you know, wow. minus, minus ninety nine now. <laughs> yeah, you got a long way to go, Chris Pratt. Let's just Big say that. Stupid. And I know you're listening. 
You dick. He's a patron. We're <laughs> better than him. Chris Pratt. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Objectively better than cri- Critical Role, but I mean, uh, subjectively yeah. better than Critical Role, but completely, completely Objectively better. better than Chris We're Pratt. We're making some wild claims in today's episodes. True ass facts, not <laughs> claims. Bigger than Jesus, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that through the grapevine. Yeah. Um, so, with the prompts done, we're going to close the book yeah. on this episode. Um, you might be thinking at home, listening, or you maybe you're not at home, maybe you're on the way to work. Maybe you're at work. If you're at work, I'm really sorry, because, you know, you got you got to grind for 40 or so years to earn that bread. Wow. Uh, can we, can we get the, the wrap it up music from the Oscars? <laughs> to so, but you might be thinking in your dull little existence. Damn. What can I do to get my prompts on the show? And I mean, it is it's tough, but you got to pay. You got to pay the Lord's money. You got to pay the tithe. You got to yeah. pay your surf tax. Yeah. We only accept ghost dollars. So if you want to, <laughs> Christ. If you want to suggest prompts to the Book of Blood, you've got to head over to patreon.com slash storylords. And for mm. as little as five bucks, five dollary dues a month, <laughs> you can join the the ranks of the, I mean, peasants is about as far as we're going to put you. Peasants. Wow. Um, but they, we'll protect more, them. Yeah. If you give from, more money, you're the nobility. Yeah. 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 With, That's uh, how it works. To get protection of the lords, you've got to... This is just protection racket, isn't it? That's what any government is. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely. True. Uh, and you can join... For that $5 a month, you can suggest prompts to us. You can join our cool Discord, which is actually really nice. It's yeah. like really insanely nice. The way you said that makes it seem like we're lying on a different show about no, how good it is. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Definitely no. not. Um, no, on the, the the Story Lords Discord is a fucking super great place. Everyone there is so funny and friendly, and some people are actually writing along with us, like yep. writing their own stories. Really yeah. good stuff cool. as well, and doing fan art, um, which is all oh, it just so is always great, always great. So sick. Um, but you can also uh, read the stories that we, and by we I mean Jeff and Josh. Upload to Patreon because yeah, I haven't somebody done one would upload his for story ages. or whatever. Yep, we can move on. Yep, because Damn, I dude. would definitely do that at some point this week. I'm pretty sure you said that last episode. I'm uh, pretty sure I did. <laughs> uh, but for ten dollars, you get access to our other little sidecast that we really are overdue for doing an episode on. Yeah, we actually redesigned are. by a committee, which is uh, where we redesign an existing IP. Um, to our own specifications and do it better. Next time we're going to do Critical Role. No, we're not going to do Critical Role. Oh, oh God. Um, I never it, watched it. I don't know how to redesign something <laughs> like that. It or could listen, be I mean. a video game, a TV series, a movie, a book. Your mama's um, sweet front butt. Yep. Damn, I wouldn't redesign that unless it was with my dick. <laughs> my dick. And Re- my jizz. Redesign huh? can be painting. Uh, for $20 you get all that stuff plus the PDF of our PDF of our upcoming book a a year early or you know however long it takes to make such things it's It's not like we've done any research it's going to be a long time Story Words Um, Volume 1 and you'll get a creator credit in the book 
Uh, and if you're a pa- if you're a patron and you buy it via Kickstarter, you would get two credits. Two <gasps> credits. That's like double the credit. <laughs> that is indeed like double the credit. Almost exactly like that. It's almost exactly. It's a like little it. like that. It's a lot. <laughs> um, so, if you like everything you hear about that, then head on over to Patreon.com/storylords and you can get all the info there. If you want to find out anything else about the podcast, you can go to Storylords.card.co. Card has two R's in it. Mm-hmm. We moved away from Bros Before Pros, so we didn't have to explain about the spelling of things. But Card still pulls <laughs> us right back to that place. That's, yeah, the I, I ran... is an imperfect place. <laughs> Even explaining what Bros Before Pros and how it's spelled and everything, I still had dozens of people messaging me, being like, "I can't find your podcast." <laughs> yeah, that's not good. So now it's that's Story, Story Lords. Lords. Yeah. <laughs> Then we were knighted by the the god of uh, writing. We have we've done so well on this season so far that we stopped being bros and we became lords. I mean, we're still yeah. bro lords, but you know, Tol- in our Tolkien hearts, we'll be descended bros. from heaven mm-hmm. and knighted yeah. us himself. Yep, he absolutely did. <laughs> British ghost himself came down from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> he gave us yes, some sweet crypto want to as well. Be knighted. He's become a beetle for some reason. Oh, I don't know the difference between accents. There's a lot of them. I feel for you. It's. I guess it's like in America. There's a few. Yeah. Like New York. But there can be <laughs> and a other different <laughs> accent like five minutes down the road. Yeah. Here. Why did you um, dum dums do that? Because we were all little. Um, countries. Countries. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. little Celtish cult. Yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Country um, spelled you know how. Yeah. C U N Tuesday. Yep. C U N Tuesday. C U N Tuesday. We also want to, as always, give a big thanks to Vidizen, who is a, our beloved friend who uh, does the music for our podcast. He does the beginning and end themes, and he does them for a lot of other podcasts. He is, without doubt, uh, genius and love, sexy, and he's. Great. I love that man. Yeah. You seen his muscles? Yep. Oh my god, I can't look at him too much, or I jizz so hard I gotta take a nap. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> jizz medusa. You just yeah. become pure jizz. I turn into rock hard stone, if you know what I mean, and then white powder comes out of my dick. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> Nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, you can find out all the information about him, his work, everything he's doing um, at vidizen.card.co. That is, again, with two R's. Don't fuck around, card.co. You just spell it right. Um, yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. <laughs> Magic, um, ma- <laughs> magicmind.com slash mclass. <laughs> there you go. Special code mclass20. There you go. Um, it's been a good episode. Is there anything you want to pimp out, promote before we finish the show? Your mama's sweet front butt. Oh, she's coming over on s- Friday. They're staying yes, for sorry. six Don't... fucking days. <laughs> Dude, give her a cursed ring and she'll go into the limo <laughs> void. Uh, I do. I want to uh, because we're almost at the end of May. Mm. I want to pimp out the uh, Trek Boy Pride Pledge Drive that's starting in June on M-Class Podcast, where uh, we 
um, every bit of money we make on Patreon during that month over what we had at the beginning of the month, we donate directly to the Trevor Project mm-hmm. and uh, a suicide and assistance hotline for LGBTQ plus teenagers. We've done this for three years now. Yeah, and well, it's like the. Oh, I think it's four. Yeah, it, it might, might be four. four. Yeah, it's like the pride and joy of both me and Josh. So, yeah, it's like the best thing we do. Absolutely. So uh, check out M Class Podcast during the month of June and pledge to patreon.com slash M Class Podcast to donate uh, through us to um, the uh, Trevor Project. And we'll have links to stuff so you can just donate straight to them if you don't want to deal with us as well. Mm-hmm. But it's a fun way to raise money for a great cause. Yeah. So get ready for that shit. I'm yeah. excited. Anything else? Well, I don't have anything oh. to pimp except what Jeff said. Okay. And if, if you if you become a patron of this and we earn more money, we might be able to do that as well. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be I would cool. love to do that. Could Josh do and I, I also like... tend to just donate a, a little like a lump sum as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, Rich, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I work yeah, Rich, for a charity. What do you do? That's nice. <laughs> I work for a charity. That's true. He, he does, does work for a charity organization. Yeah. Yeah. And his mom's coming over for six days. That's, yeah, that's pretty charitable. Charitable, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how you're gonna do it. Uh, I. You know what? I have really good parents, and I really love them. But six days is too much, man. Yeah, no. I mean, oh, you I can agree. love your you can love your parents, and they can be great. But six days is a yeah, lot. Yeah, uh, six days with any relative besides yeah. like your like close family member, yeah, like wife, your wife, child, or, yeah, like that. Oh, that's too even, much. Even Evan. Even <laughs> with him every day. Oh, even Evan, but, six days is too much. But it's too much, and every other weekend he goes to his grandparents for a day. Why do you think we send him to school every day? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's not for an education, it's to get fucking rid of him. <laughs> Just get get the fuck out, out of my sight, boy. <laughs> I really look forward to the day Evan's like, I want to check out this podcasting thing my dad does. <laughs> He'll be fine. Oh, no. It'll be, it'll be fine. Look, Therapy's free in England. Future you, Evan, you, are you, making a fu- you are making a therapist very rich yeah. in the future. <laughs> I mean, we, we got ha- national health care. It's fine. We, oh yeah, we won't have that by the time he's grown up. Believe oh, me. Oh, that's no. true. Well, the um, world might just be over. Mm, so, well, well, yeah. Hopefully, um, if we're lucky. Uh, so we're done for today. Episode twenty-two, absolute banger. We have uh, how many? We got four left. Four left yeah. of the season, and then we're going to do our uh, denouement episode where we, we answer some questions and emails and stuff. Um, denouement? Yeah. We're talking like French shit we now? Are. It's gonna Simon, have a, we're doing a Simon Belmont episode? <laughs> it's, Mise-en-scene? It's going to have fuck? all sorts of accoutrement. Oh my god, what about hors d'oeuvres? <laughs> you keep we're your hors d'oeuvres out plants? there. Mise-en-plants? <laughs> um, maybe we'll get we're some pan of chocolate. What? <laughs> Chocolate, sh- chocolate bread, pan of chocolate. Oh. I, was, I, I thought right. you said we'll do some Frere Jaca, and I'm like, shit, he's done <laughs> oh, my We're joke. not doing that. Damn, that would have been, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what's coming up soon. Uh, we'll give you more information about that when we, you know, have decided what we're fucking doing, if I'm, I'm going to be frank with you all. I'm, um, I'm scared of the Kickstarter, but it, it, we're going to try. <laughs> 
Yeah. We're going to try. We, we'll try. We need to talk to best boy Kevin Cole. That's who we need to talk yeah, to. Yeah, Kevin's done a ton of Kickstarters. Andy so, did a book, so yeah, it's pretty so perfect. If, if there's anyone who can help, it's good old Cole. So, um, we'll see you in two weeks for some more sweet stories with the Story Lords. Story Lords! <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>